everybody, and welcome back to some interseason goodness from your boys at Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. How are you? I'm good, thank you, Jack. I'm good. Good. We did. We didn't spend at least at least half an hour cackling like idiots. No, at and all. Me having to no. leave the room because I couldn't breathe. <laughs> That's Not a fantasy. All. My sternum is fine. It doesn't hurt like a motherfucker. Like I've been punched in the chest. Laugh so good. much you've been punched in the chest. We're good. Who else is on this podcast? Fuck off, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. And joining us, also as always, it's Tim Matum. And you're Bill Murray. Bill Ghost Busting Groundhog Day Ass Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Nice to have an actual relevant quote, isn't it, Matt? What? You mean not hello? No, all right. That's hello. That, that's normal greeting. What do you say? You say hello, everybody. I say the same thing. It's fine. Yeah. I host the show. <laughs> what happened to the well-planned and scripted little that's intro That's the notes? main season. Inter-season is loosey-goosey. Well, it is an in-season episode, so we're not necessarily talking about bad sequels, although some might come up just per chance. But this episode, we're going to talk about Something I don't think we've really touched upon because it's really not a thing we would particularly pitch. I think it has come up in a couple of pitches just for a little fun. Yeah, a few times. Because uh, I've done a couple of little jokey ones that in context of the sequelized universe make no sense. But with the hindsight of us living in this parallel universe, it does mm. make sense. Mm-hmm. And we are in fact talking about cameos. And no, not the thing where you can request celebrities to say like, happy birthday to your nan. Or, or the word up guy or anything like that. We're actually talking about actors briefly appearing, often uncredited, in roles in films. And sometimes, listeners, you might not even know these actors are in these films. And that's the fun of a cameo. And before we get to cameos and discussing our likes, dislikes, some good, some bad, give a little shout out to our lovely supporters over on patreon.com slash sequelizers, especially giving shout outs to our executive producers. You probably know a few of these names already if you're a long-time listener of the show. You might know, oh, I don't know, people like Stuart Main. Welcome back to the Baxter, Dr. Richards. I've got the usual for you. Good to have you back, sir. Jonathan Firth-Clark. Any questions? Yeah, can I have my shoe back? Tyler Rogers. Oh. Man, I am so fired. Mike Salvia. Are you Tony's stank? The man known only as Xenos. Well, the 60s were fun, but now I'm paying for it. Andrew Steen. I thought he'd be taller. And our newest executive producer. That's right, folks, we got one more. The list keeps on growing. Joshua van der Sluis. You know, I guess one person can make a difference. Enough said. Thank you ever so much for your support, gentlemen. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to join them, you can go and support us on patreon.com slash sequelizers. There are multiple tiers. If you go up on the tiers, under the higher realms, you can get a shout out just like these gentlemen have. You can get ad-free episodes, you can get early access and because it's interseason stuff, 
you'll get some lovely bonus exclusive episodes as well. And spoiler alert, there's one coming up real soon. It's going to be great. Trust us. It might be. It might just be a follow-up to a previous exclusive Patreon episode. So if you haven't already, catch up on that and then enjoy some more exclusive stuff as well. Back to the cameos. <laughs> Back to the oh, show. Tim at the news desk. <laughs> Here's Tim with the weather. Snowing in it. <laughs> I would say it's not a uniquely film thing, a cameo, but it is very much something we're all um, aware of in multiple mediums. So for example, just a, just an offhand example, TV, music, video games, You've got like, just as a quick look through, um, Elton John appears on the Queen of the Stone Age song, Fairweather Friends, but you wouldn't know he's there. You might rest and think, that voice sounds familiar, but you wouldn't know necessarily. George Reeves as Superman on I Love Lucy back in the day. That's a big classic TV crossover. It makes no sense, but they still <laughs> do it because it's popular. Um, in the video game Death Stranding, Conan O'Brien turns up for some fucking reason. And, it's the thing, it's <laughs> and, not just the and Jeff Keighley, host of the Video Game Awards. Yeah, there's just so many random, like, wait, what are, you, what, are you, what are you doing here? And the thing is, this isn't even, like, um, tied to the last 50 years or so, because the Jan van Eyck uh, painting the Arnolfini portrait, I think it is, the, the, the two people getting married, and in the background there's a painting, and you see the entire room reflected, and then peering out from the canvas is him. It's kind of a cameo, in a way. <laughs> it's the whole, like... A self-inserting the, kind of yeah, director it's style. it's in there. It doesn't affect everything. It doesn't. It's not pulling centre stage. Even though, let's face it, the cameo sometimes is all people end up talking about. But it's still a nod, a wry smile, or something that it's. It can either. And, and the key thing is, it's supposed to be something that affects everything in a very little, very subtle way most of the time. Obnoxious cameos are ones that tend to be front and centre and be like, hey, 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 hey. But even then, those ones can be really fucking funny. I'm trying to think of examples that aren't the examples we're going to give later. Um, but I mean, let's say, let's say Dodgeball, for example. They're like, oh, who had, right at the end, it comes down to a judge's ruling. Who's the final judge? Chuck Norris giving a thumbs up. Saying nothing, just a thumbs up. Fuck you, Chuck Norris. It's just a very weird and should be obnoxious thing. We should all hate cameos. It can be sometimes, like you said. Yeah. We, sh- we should be like, oh, I get your fucking friends with whoever. Oh, fuck you. But it is it often also... just the the main kind of the main cast, the creatives behind mm. it, the directors, the producers, whoever it is, sticking their mates in for fun. Yeah. Oh, and that... put, put some makeup on. He'll wear a helmet or whatever, and there you go. We'll be fine. And just chuck him in. And that 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 can work to real effect sometimes. It's just that most of the time we should be we should be annoyed. It should annoy us because it's a distraction. It's something that takes you out of the movie, like breaking the fourth wall. But again, in the right hands, much like breaking the fourth wall. It can be really rewarding. It can be actually a genuinely satisfactory thing because it's almost like an in-joke, not only the, from, the, from the filmmakers and the uh, people involved, but also you're then in part of said in-joke. You feel like, oh shit, there's Hitchcock. Fucking nailed it. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into categorizing these things as we, as we go through. Um, and I know, Matt, you have uh, a kind of definition that when we started talking about this, we both Jack and I were like, hmm. I don't know if that counts. Um, yeah, yeah. That sounds familiar. The twists <laughs> and reveals. Um, a lot of cameos seem to kind of fall into two different categories. There's ones where the the filmmakers have put this person in the film because they're friends, but they haven't drawn any attention to it. And if you didn't, mm. if you weren't looking out for that person, there's very little to distinguish them because they're just 
walking by in the background or they're under makeup or, or whatever. And then there's the ones where basically it feels like the film stops to go, hey, look, you know that guy. It's that guy. And yeah, and like you yeah. say, Matt, they're very break the fourth wall. They They rely almost entirely on recognition of an actor uh, or an actress and kind of associating them with their other roles rather than uh there it's very rare that you have like an in-character cameo i guess the closest that we have to that is god drag everything back to the mcu but it's stuff like when mcu characters hmm. cross over and you go like oh it's that, that person mm-hmm. and that those little like nods to in-universe continuity are kind of becoming this different strand of cameos but for the most part, like a cameo, it does feel like the film stops and, and kind of wants you to do a little... It, it, it's the equivalent of when the sitcom character comes into the studio, uh, you know, opens the front door and all the studio audience bursts into applause and there's like 30 seconds of them just standing mm. there, not reacting, but kind of reacting to it before they go into actually saying their lines. Mm-hmm. The one that stands out for me like that is is Expendables Two, where we are now associated. I mean, they're, they're they're kind of supporting roles at this point, but they were very much cameos in in the earlier films, which is um, Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, the Expendables very much is is very reliant upon you remembering who these people not necessarily were, but the roles they performed. And there's a really fucking annoying, painful dad humor bullshit, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis trapped by fire and whatever, and then he says. I think he just says like I'll be back, and then Bruce Willis says, "No, you've you've been back enough. I'll be back." At which point Schwarzenegger says, "Well, yippee ki and it's like, "Oh, this is this is awful, yeah, and this is painful, and it relies on so much in knowledge and not in a clever way, not in a way that makes you think, "Ah, I am now being rewarded mm. for my understanding." In the same way, like uh, th- this is going to be tricky for me to work around. There is a Wonder Vision thing that I won't talk about. Uh, <laughs> speaking of MCU which is a tiny little sleight of hand thing that is ultimately a tiny little nod to a previous MCU film. And it's like, eh, 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 nice. It's just very small stuff that's like, ah, but it still feels front and center if you're looking for it. Whereas like turning to the camera and saying, I don't know, I don't think the MCU has, oh yeah, maybe maybe if, you know, say episode six of WandaVision comes out and then a character turns to the screen and says, I am uh inevitable oh it's like what the fuck are you doing this is ridiculous it doesn't make any sense so yeah i, I think yeah there, there is a there is a real transaction shall we say between or an understanding between the audience and the filmmaker of some people are gonna get this some people aren't and if it affects the movie that can really like oh is this is this guy gonna come up later is he important to the story no he's not Again, not to stick with the MCU too much, but I think one of the biggest examples and most prominent kind of recurring cameo kind of things that's happened over the last decade or so is obviously the late, great Stan Lee appearing in all the Marvel movies. And he appeared even outside of the MCU as showing up in the Spider-Man films and all that kind of stuff. And people would go to those thinking that, okay... Where I know I do it sometimes, like, okay, where's Stan Lee? What's he going to be? Is he going to be a bartender? Is he going to be a FedEx guy? Is he going to be a watcher informant? Which was <laughs> ran, assume from from the kind of fan theories that he was a watcher, kind of like recurring across and like, I like that keeping, time keeping an eye on the superheroes and all that kind of stuff. Mm. And I think that kind of stuff, because the MCU has become so popular and so mainstream, it's the nerdy thing that like the laddiest lads in my work office can talk about. 
I can't talk mm. to them about comics. I can't talk to them like, oh yeah, I really want to talk to them about Final Fantasy. They'd be like, fuck off, mate. It's too nerdy. Marvel though, God, can you believe Hulk did that thing? I'd be like, that's the nerdiest shit, dude. <laughs> it's now mainstream. So you're just like, yeah, whatever. And I can talk about Stan Lee cameos with people who A, aren't particularly interested in films and aren't particularly interested in comics or like the history of, you know, the relationship there. Like you said, you get cameos in comics as well. There's quite a, a storied history of people using photo reference actors mm -hmm. for comic yeah. book characters mm -hmm. and then having them appear or maybe less of a cameo, but like the literal things where like writers appear in their own stuff like Grant Morrison did in Animal Man is perhaps my favourite and most famous mm -hmm. example of that, <laughs> where you literally see Grant Morrison, the writer of the comic, writing the comic in the <laughs> comic. You see like on the panel, he is typing on his computer and the actual character Animal Man meets Grant Morrison. It's all this whole meta thing. And I think that's way too far for some people. But this little recurring Stan Lee thing of like, oh, it's nice little Stan Lee and ignoring the whole like, he's kind of a cutthroat businessman and has been for 50 <laughs> years. And, oh, he's adorable though. He's lovely. He, oh, he's little Stan Lee. Oh, there he is. Oh, isn't it nice? He's the old man who wrote Spider-Man, isn't he? Oh, it's nice. Yeah, he, he single-handedly nice. created Spider-Man and Fantastic Four <laughs> and the whole he Marvel universe. No, yeah. no, he didn't. <laughs> And I think that opened up the concept of like cameos and recurring cameos, which is something, again, we'll touch on in our selections later on, to a wider audience. Because I think people who know, I think you mentioned Hitchcock earlier, Matt, like that is yeah, the yeah. classic example of the director self-inserting himself. Like, oh, you, oh, there he is. There's our Alfred hanging out in the background. Mm. Oh, he just opened a door. There's Hitchcock again. And that's a very common thing. Like we said, it's often friends or literally the director appearing or something like that. And I think... I know we talk about the MCU a lot, but I think that has that has been the thing that has introduced it to a wider audience over the last decade mm, or so. Interesting. I, I would say that Stan Lee, he started his cameo career much earlier in 1995 when he cameos <laughs> in Mallrats. Oh, sure. Where nobody gave a shit. Well, yeah, <laughs> because Kevin Smith is one of those comic book exactly. nerdy dudes. Yeah. And it's the transition between, ah, but now we're all in on who Stan Lee is. We yep. all know he's the Spider-Man. I invented Spider-Man. We know who he is. Great. And then, sense. of course, they famously called back to that with the Captain Marvel cameo, where mm -hmm. it's set in the 90s and he's reading the Mallrat script on a bus yes. on the way to go and film <laughs> Mallrat. So it's like, what the fuck? Look at that. So, so Mallrat exists in no the sense. MCU, but they talk about Marvel characters in more rats? <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Well, this, this is the thing. At the end of the day, cameos are an act. This is controversial, I don't know. Acting. Acting. They are an act of vanity and exclusiveness. Because mm. it's like, why do you want to be on the set, Hitchcock? I just want to be in it, really. I want to be in the background. And I want to be a, a man carrying a cello. <laughs> why? I want to be in my movie. But I can't act. So I'm going to be standing there. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's stupid. But fine, fucking your director. So get in fucking costume. Oh, and no, I was dressing myself. Fucking wonderful. Um, <laughs> and also, if it is like, a, oh, oh, do you see who that is? Do you know who that is? Do you, do, do you know who that is? You no. do. You do get that kind of uh, yeah, like exclusiveness. You'll get the like nerdier or like film critic friend. Like, nah, ah, Hitchcock. But you didn't recognise them, yeah. did you? See? See? Well, I know what you I'm either talking get, about. You either get, like, again, back to dodgeball for a second. You get the Chuck Norris, and it's like, ah, Chuck Norris, he must be a, a guy. I see oh, his thumbs up. He must, it, do the, he must a, be the thumbs up meme, guy. I guess. Yeah. And then you have the, oh, wow, thanks, X amount of um, 
gold medal tour de france whatever you are fucking winning lance armstrong and they say mm-hmm. you actively say out loud who you are and why you're famous except then you're like ah you fraudulent person who <laughs> 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 used a load of drugs to <laughs> succeed and had all your stuff stripped away but you know cameos that age, uh, that's another thing we're going on to later cameos that age badly mm. um but um no they are, they are genuinely a strange act it doesn't further the plot usually sometimes when it does further the plot it's more annoying because they become are you a in fact supporting character now rather than a cameo and it's like because if you say like well hang on stanley and Morats, is he a cameo because he's actually a character who has an important conversation with the lead actor who inspires him to go on things and he comes back like i think maybe two times talks to another character and says, oh, he's got real problems. She's always worried about their, their, their genitals and that kind of thing. It's like, well, hang on, <laughs> is he then a cameo or not? And it's like, well, he's playing himself. Yeah. And if it's like, if they're not playing themselves, it's like, well, yeah, we've got, we got Army Hammer, of all the names to bring up. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Army Hammer in this as a, as a cameo. It's like, right. But is that shocking? Because he's also an actor and he's famous. So it's not like it's like, oh my God, this guy... An actor in a movie. I didn't see that I coming. I will definitely touch upon the other side of that, which is random celebrities in one of my picks for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of that shit going on. So I, I genuinely feel that they're, they're a very strange entity. That's why I'm, I'm really happy we're talking about them. I, I have a hot take. Prepare yourselves. Oh, shit. Um, okay. So I think that the history of cameos throughout cinema you can use to explore the changing nature of cinema throughout the ages. Wow. Ooh. I love it. I love it. So if we go, if we go, let's start in the 60s, uh, the 50s and 60s, and you have the, the classic Hitchcock cameo during the, the rise of the uh, auteur period. Um, and so you also have people like sure. we mentioned in the Chinatown episode, you have uh, Roman Polanski showing up as, as guy with knife. Um, Man with knife, yeah, exactly. Forming a, a very kind of pivotal moment in the film. But, uh, you know, that's mm, he's... Mm. He's there and then he's done and, you know, you don't see him again. Then you get into kind of the 80s and 90s and cameos around that period tended to... We were we were in the age of the kind of blockbuster mega celebrity superstar. And yes. I think a lot of cameos around that time just tended to be like, look at this absolutely massive star that we managed to get into this movie for 30 seconds. And then as we go into the 90s, that kind of transitions and becomes a little bit more ironic. And it tends to either be, if we have a big star, we're going to fucking stop and make a song and dance about it. Or we're going to have a cameo, but it's going to be it's going to be like a Chuck Norris. It's going to be like, oh, look at this weird person who you kind of remember but, you know, it's more ironic, like, haha, look, it's funny, isn't it? You know, weirdly enough, there's a perfect example of that from the Mortal Kombat Annihilation season finale <laughs> recently. We talked about it, how fucking Steven Spielberg was supposed to be in that movie yeah. As yeah. Jo- in the original Mortal Kombat, like Johnny Cage's director. And the guy just straight up looks like Steven Spielberg. And the only reason he wasn't in it is because of timing and scheduling conflicts. It's like, the mm-hmm. how on earth? Like <laughs> one of the biggest directors in the history of cinema, going to be in fucking Mortal Kombat of all things. Yeah. See, that's that's the thing as well. Sometimes when you're building towards a cameo, you expect a cameo. That's the thing we're now conditioned for. It. Like Tim said about the '90s stuff, you do get to the whole like, and now very much with the Stan Lee thing, like who's the cameo? Much mm-hmm. like what's the after, the post credit sequence? What's it going to be? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Nothing is more disappointing than a shit cameo. So for example, you'd have the, the Mortal Kombat uh, Steven Spielberg. If it had been him, like, oh, shit. But also, oh, what are you fucking doing here? <laughs> what How did they rope you into Steve? this shit? <laughs> yeah, fallen but, from grace, mate. <laughs> at the same time, there's like, 
there's two in actually there's a lot but there's two in my mind in, in little nicky oddly enough oh wow um, the adam sandler movie um and one is one is who is satan um because you've got nicky who's played by adam sandler mm. who is kind of one of the sons of dukes of hell or something then his dad is played by harvey keitel like he's a a satan there's a lucifer <laughs> there's one there's but then there's a granddad lucifer who's actually kicked, kicked out of heaven it's like oh who's that Hey, it's uh, Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, <laughs> uh, look at this mug. Uh, take them. Some... It's like, who the fuck is Rodney Dangerfield? And obviously, it's for, for comedians. It's for Americans. Comedians like, oh, that's a huge <laughs> staple of our of our comedy. That's a, a real giant. Oh, uh, look at him. I can't really think of a single Rodney Dangerfield joke that isn't just him straightening his tie and going. Ooh, ooh. And also, I remember that because it's in fucking Aladdin. I'm losing to a rug. Um, I'm like, <laughs> well, oh yeah, little, that guy. Little Nicky is full of fucking cameos. You've got yeah. Henry Winkler as himself, Ozzy Osbourne yeah. to bite the bat off the head off yep. a bat, mm-hmm. and then fucking Rob Schneider, <laughs> fucking Rob Schneider, <laughs> doing his whole water boy. You can do it. Character uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon as his as uh, his yeah, as, as angelic mum. Yeah. And that's the thing about like Adam Sandler. He's one of the prime examples, much like Kevin Smith, and, and in a way, I think maybe Marvel films, of I'm going to just chuck some friends in there because I'm going to give them a paycheck. And also, fuck it, it's funny to me. And I kind of respect that, like Tim said about the auteur nature of just bugger it. We're going to go boss the war with yeah. this. We're going to go really, we're going to shock the audience. Or alternatively, the whole, I'm too big to fail. I don't care. I'm just going to do this because I want to, which again can be charming or obnoxious. Um, and just to to close out my hot take, I think yes. yeah, like looking at the MCU as as obviously this modern juggernaut, you you have the Stanley cameos, which are interesting because it's obviously he is a real life person, but like a, it it feels like it's more he is a person who has crafted a very specific media image, so he's almost more of a character than a person. Um, and so it's this, That's true. That's it's true. this weird and and obviously all the intercontinuity crossovers that we have within the MCU and 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 in other like um, you know the DC universe and stuff like that. It's a weird thing where it's it's in character cameos that that are suddenly something that can kind of function that wouldn't have you know if you go back twenty years to to the blockbuster films of those times. But there's also as Hollywood has become kind of demystified and we all get much more of a better look behind the scenes there's stuff like all the members of the community cast cropping up in mcu films because the russo brothers not got their start on community but but were directors of some really pivotal episodes there and so Mm. you have actors showing up who it could you know they're they're most of them are of a level where it's just like oh yeah it's it's you know that you know that small sitcom you know character doing a jobbing role in in a mcu film but because we are aware of the mm-hmm. context of like, oh no, but the director worked with them on this other thing. So actually it's this funny in-joke for if you've, if you've really followed the development of these movies and you're obsessive about following film trivia and stuff like that, then it's like this little subtle joke. Mm-hmm. But for the majority of people, they're just like, well, that's just an actor playing a role. Like that doesn't count as a cameo. No, I would, I would completely agree with that. I think it, there are so many strange things to define it. and that, But I think another thing as well is it comes down to the creator because a project, I mean, MCU, we expect in the MCU. I don't think we expect the Stan Lee anymore, obviously, because I think they filmed all they could. He's obviously dead now. And mm. I think that they're, they're like not going to try and 
as far as I'm aware, Grand Moff Tarkin him and bring him back for extra cameos. But unless they do something really weird with him in the Spider-Man Three with with all its multiverse crossover. Oh yeah, some unused footage and shit. Maybe, maybe. Um, See, the thing is. Um, it's not usually the the franchise that encourages it. It's the director or the creator or the lead actor, whoever is the central focus of that movie. So, um, and, and and speaking as a filmmaker, I do it. I do it all the time. Um, I do it because it amuses me. And also much like any artist or, or especially like theatre people, very superstitious. So J.J. Abrams, for example, has Greg Grunberg in everything <laughs> um and i have one person uh, a friend of mine he is in every single project he currently lives in america in one of the carolinas and i always get it wrong i think it's north carolina <laughs> point is that he's in everything and i get even if i get his voice in there somewhere it's not a project that isn't finished until i get this guy in there because i've just because he's always been in it and because that, that continuity is there no one knows about it but me it's almost like a voice in the background sometimes it doesn't matter but you just end up doing it. And then it becomes an expectation. It's like, well, I've always done it and they've always been successful and they've you know, <laughs> been to festivals and screenings and awards. And if I don't do it, maybe it won't get there, which is obviously nonsense. But at the same time- I always I, shit I, myself I think... on a championship game night because, you know, when I did it that one time, the team won. And so now I've got to do it every time. Yep. Traditions and superstitions. It's a genuine, it's just humans looking for patterns, unfortunately. And I think there was one time that Abrams didn't include Grunberg in something and it was a failure or a flop or something. And I said, right, that's it now <laughs> in everything. But um, yeah, should, 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 we, um, should we discuss two of the different major types, as it were? Um, should we start off with the background cameos and real, real sore thumbs stick out? <laughs> uncomfortable things. So the, the, the background one is fairly obvious. It's the one that you would not just not know. It's on multiple viewings, having seen a film, many like, oh, another film inside out. Yeah, I've seen Jurassic Park a million times. It's like, did you know Tom Hanks is in it? It's like, what? Yeah, did you know Tom Hanks is in Jurassic Park? Where? Pause it well. now. <laughs> yeah, there pause it now. It's like, okay, that's just a shot of a woodland. Yes, but he is playing Bush number three. <laughs> <laughs> just, just in case anyone wants to guess it, Tom Hanks is not in <laughs> Jurassic Park. I thought you'd just blown my mind for a second there. That's the thing. And this happens. These conversations happen all the time. It feels like, fuck off. And I, it's always like, I feel like the days before the in... internet, it was the classic like school kid thing. I'm like, yep. oh my God, Tom Hanks is in Jurassic Park. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. What? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, mate, yeah. My uncle told me Tom Hanks is in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Oh, your uncle that lives in Canada oh, works yeah. for Nintendo. If you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you pause Jurassic Park at exactly the right moment, you can see Tom Hanks and also Lara Croft naked. <laughs> Brilliant. I was going to say, there's a, there's a film we may come back to later. There's a film with a, a, a cameo that I don't like, that I have a real problem with, which is part of these background ones. Now, Star Wars has been doing it all the time with fucking stormtroopers. And like, see those two stormtroopers that say nothing and turn around and things? That's Prince William and Prince Harry. So fuck off. <laughs> it, it could be me for all you know, but there's one in Hook. And that's when they're flying off to Neverland and, and uh, Tinkerbell is carrying Peter in his, in his, in his sort of like, I think of the, the duvet, mm. whatever the fuck it is he's been carrying. And as they go over the bridge, there's a couple kissing and they start sort of like, they start floating away off the bridge and they're all romantic and shit. That's apparently George Lucas and Carrie Fisher. And it's like, I've heard that. What? I know that. But what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like Phil Collins is a policeman early in the movie and it's like, I've, lo I've lost my marbles. And he goes, well, quiet. And then it's like, the fuck are you doing here, <laughs> Phil Collins? But then you've got this moment. It's like these these two people that I pause and look at on Blu-ray, and it's like you know, crisp and images I can find. It's like that's literally a fucking silhouette. That could be any motherfucker. <laughs> it's like yes, but it's not any motherfucker because I'm Steven Spielberg, and I'm telling you <laughs> that's Carrie Fisher and that's George Lucas. And I'm like, 
cool? What was the point? <laughs> I don't, you, you, I mean, but that's the nature of it. Is it, are we robbing some extras of a job? Are we saying, <laughs> does it mean anything? Is it just trivia? Is it in any way provable? Is this, even this behind the scenes photo of them sitting there, does it mean anything? Does it affect the story? Is it just a bit of trivia so people can go, oh, I've got a bit of trivia for you? There are, there are definitely some, um, and I, I, you know, it's kind of one of these ones where you, you'd love to have access to like all the behind the scenes gossip. But there's definitely some cameos out there where it just feels like, oh yeah, um, you know, so and so's really good friends with with uh, you know whoever, and they just happened to be on set that day. They were just visiting because they were having lunch together, and uh, you yeah. know they were hanging out. And then the director was like, hey, do you want to hop in this scene really quickly? And uh, you know that'd be fun. And you know part of that's nice in a sense because it, yeah. it makes it feel like, hey, we're all just putting on a show in the barn, and uh, you know, oh, grab grab a wig and be in the background or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And sometimes it feels really obnoxious because it just feels like, oh, yes, we're all just like, oh, yeah, Hollywood types. Um, yeah. And it's really hard to put the finger on, like, when it strays from being one into the other. Um, it is difficult. But it's, it, it, I, I would be fascinated to know, like, which really famous cameos have happened just because, you know, people happen to be in the right place at the right time and which were actually the result of oh no, like, we want this this particular person to show up, you know. Like, I doubt Chuck Norris just happened to be wherever they were filming <laughs> Dodgeball. Like, that feels like a very deliberate choice. I doubt David Bowie happened to be near the set of Zoolander. Um, yeah. And clearly they made a deliberate choice for those people, even though it's effect and, they're you know, they basically don't have any lines, their impact is borderline inconsequential or it could have been anyone it's a question of casting or convenience at the end of the day it's like have you actually made the meticulous forethought to get this person mm. flown out here or is it just like do you know who's in the back here fucking curve and, and the invisible ones feel so weird on that scale because it's like well if mm. you've got these famous people here why are you not Use doing them. anything with them why is why is cameron it's diaz scheduling and stuff why right? is cameron diaz just mm. sat on a train in Minority Report with her back to the camera. Yes. Who knows? Is she with Cameron Crowe or Richard Linklater? And there's, there's like someone else sitting with her who's always also yeah. famous. And you're like, what the fuck? What are you doing here? <laughs> yeah. I think this is also the, the purposeful casting of a cameo has become very popular in, uh, it's a word I'm not allowed to say on this show, remakes and reboots. <laughs> where <laughs> yeah, you get true. like, oh, hey, we've done a new Robocop with Joel Kinnaman. Guess who's going to be in the background at one point? Oh, is it the guy who played the old Robocop? Oh, a coincidence. Like, they always do that fucking thing where they remake a thing and then, oh, look, it's a reference to the original one. Does that mean it's in canon? Who knows? And he'll do a little wink and a nod and a little like, ah, 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 see? See? He he knows and they know and the audience knows. And we've done it on purpose and all that kind of shit. I'll tell you one of the ones that really fucked me. This is transitioning to sore thumb territory. Okay. One that I, really I was, fucked I was me. Say, so I find some of these to be sore thumbs as well. Yes. And they, they will, you will start off like, okay, cool. Yeah, fine. And even like you mentioned Grand Moff Tarkin earlier, like if they had done that quote unquote Peter Cushing cameo <laughs> <laughs> in Rogue One where you didn't see his face and he just had his just reflection, sort of just thing. a reflection in the back yeah, of his head yeah. and destroy the Rebel Alliance and then that was it, it'd be fine. And then he turns around and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. And they do that in remakes a lot where you'll get like, oh, look, it's the actor from the mm. 80s original walking past mm. in the back. Oh, 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 he's just coming literally past the torch to the new actor. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking hell. See, uh, okay, so so here's a prime example. Okay, transition here, but 
two different cameos. One I really love and one I really fucking hate. So <laughs> I'm ready. One I, one I love in a film I love and one I hate in a film I hate. And I feel that that's actually also mm, a thing as well. Interesting. It's, it's very rare that you film you love in a cameo you hate or, or cameo you love in a film you hate is also a weird one. So in the remake or the film version of The A-Team, starring Liam Neeson, <laughs> not go. good, in the post-credits bit, there's a bit where um, the face character um, played by Bradley Cooper is in a sauna or some shit. He's like, "Hey, how do you how do you work out the uh, whatever it is? Is some sort of beauty routine or some bullshit?" And Dirk Benedict, who played face in the oh, actually, is it Dirk Benedict? No, yeah, it is. Yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so he played him in the original show, and he says, "I'll tell you, you just uh, don't mess with the face." And it's like, "Oh fuck uh, me, that's terrible." That's, that's the, and then Matt, 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 Bradley that's, Cooper that's, like, "That's the line from the original one. Did you know that?" That's that's that's, that's him. He's talking about him. Don't mess with the face because he's face. And he, he said and he, he's saying it to face. He's saying it to face. Oh, oh, fuck me. I hate it. But a cameo I love, a team related, is in not another teen movie where the 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 friend. <laughs> I'm just a friendly janitor with some helpful information, which turns out to be like, oh, this is a terrible idea. And it's fucking Mr. T, <laughs> and it's just like, what are you doing here? And it's just amazing. I've seen you with them towels. You love women those <laughs> too long in the showers. Um, and then he. Does this? He like I'll give you a uh, you know I'm just a friendly Janice. I'm giving you some 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 pep talk, some advice. It goes hard. Goes, Damn, that was terrible. And walks off. But it's just it's fantastic. It's so it's so sore thumb, but it works so well as opposed to the face one, which is so sore thumb and painfully obnoxious doing it. I feel it's like like a stand up because some people will love that cameo. Some will go, hey, <laughs> it's my boy face talking to my boy face in my new favorite movie, The A-Team. Um, <laughs> yeah, there must just... be people alive whose favorite movie is the modern remake of The A-Team. Almost right? guaranteed. There's always, there's always, we're always surprised. We're always surprised. Oh, and God. I think it comes down to, you know, who's your favorite stand-up? Oh, is this person? Are you fucking kidding me? That person's <laughs> awful and insulting and racist as fuck. Yeah, but turns out so am I. Oh, great. Well, mm. we're not friends anymore. Mm. Um, and that's kind of, the, you know, it's the nature of what kind of thing you're into. And so cameos can be, I think, a bit like that. Yeah, I think so much of them is subjective. And like you, like we've said, like it's really hard to have a good cameo in a bad film. And likewise, it's rare for a cameo to ruin a film. I can't think of True. many. There, is, there are ones where it's definitely, I've been wavering as to whether a film is good or not and then a cameo will happen and i'll be like oh you've just cheapened this whole thing <laughs> um the, the thing that comes to mind and this goes back to the the remakes and reboots discussion is the cameos in the what is it 2016 ghostbusters the uh oh, oh, yeah. the female yeah, reboot yeah. which obviously was a lightning rod of idiocy on the internet and horrible misogyny really? and stuff like I that. It. I must have missed that one. Um, <laughs> uh, for what is, at the end of the day, an entirely average film. Mm, agreed. But the cameos in that were so frustrating because it's like, why have the original Ghostbusters show up in your movie if they're not going to play the fucking Ghostbusters? <laughs> like, why are they playing these weird fucking awkward cameos of just random other people? Why not connect your film? If if you're bothering to use the Ghostbusters stuff and not just do another, like, high-budget supernatural comedy, if you're paying the money and, and you know, licensing or whatever to, to use that brand... Why not fucking go for it? Why not have them, you know, mm. show up as like the retired Ghostbusters to pass the torch? You know, and sometimes that can be very clumsy, but I feel like it's more clumsy mm. to have the characters show up in really fucking obvious cameos 
but being completely different characters. Yeah. There's a, I don't, this is a tricky one. This is technically a good cameo because it's well crafted, I guess is the word. The production design's good. It fits and it's like, wow, that looks kind of lifted. That's actually quite decent. The film is fucking awful. This cameo couldn't save it, but it's one moment you go, oh, yeah, all right. But also it's so indicative of the director's style. So I'm referring to A Million Ways to Die in the West. Oh, wow. The Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane, yeah. Piece of shit. Ted's a good movie. I like Ted. It's all right. Ted, Ted's mm, fine. Too. It's fine. But A Million Ways to Die in the West, not, not great. T- Ted opens with the narration from Patrick Stewart. That's technically narration counts as a cameo. And he's like, you can be... Yeah, just know, voices counts as a cameo. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, um, it's talking about like, the most dangerous thing was an Apache helicopter. Like, oh, God, this and that. Everything. It's just very silly. And, like takes you out of a second, but in a good way. In A Million Ways to Die in the West, it's a Western and it's not very good. And... At one point, the main character, whose name I do not care to remember, nope. walks past a, a, an old barn and there's a light going off in it and he goes inside and Christopher Lloyd is covering up a DeLorean and goes, Oh, uh, hello. And he's you know dressed as Doc Brown, as in, in the old, in, in Back to the Future Part 3. And uh, Seth McFarlane says, what are you doing here? Oh, it's a weather experiment. Okay. And he leaves. He goes, oh. And so far I'm like, that's not awful, well, actually. I don't mind that. Okay, that's, cool. that's, that's okay. I'm okay with that. And then he just pauses, looks straight to the camera and says, Great Scott! And I'm like, oh, no, you fucked it. <laughs> you jumped the shark on that cameo. You literally could have had it so good. I mean, you got the guy in, got him in makeup, you got a fucking DeLorean and covering for this literal five-second nonsense scene in a nonsense film. And then you piddled it away with this nonsense. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm going to be great, Scott. There's lots of, yeah, there's lots of interesting cameos in mediocre films. I don't think there's a lot in terrible movies that are good enough. So for example, uh, Judy Dench is in Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides, which is Pirates of the Caribbean 4? Four? 4, yeah. Yep. Um, and she's just, at one point, Jack Sparrow's escaping from London, he falls in a carriage and it's Judy Dench going, oh, who am I? Like, oh, that's Judy Dench. Cool. And in Trainwreck, it's an Amy Schumer movie. So it's fine. It's not awful. It's fine. Um, and there's a whole thing about this sort of art house, sort of fake, fake independent movie uh, with Daniel Radcliffe called mm. The Dog Walker. And it's just things like that. You're like, okay, that's that's pretty silly. <laughs> or um, in Scream 2, where they're talking about Stab, the movie, and they're recreating scenes from Scream with different actors. It's And it's just like, yeah, this is um, it's not a bad film, but the cameo isn't hurting it. It's actually all right. It's quite funny. It's, it's, it's a very weird, a weird place to be with that one. But so speaking of like Million Ways to Die in the West, which is billed as a comedy, not very funny. <laughs> um, t- I think Tim made the interesting point in the show notes, which was with huge ensemble comedies like an old Cannonball Run or Rat Race or something like that. You know that that kind of huge thing. Like that, do the cameos kind of count? Because the the roles are so small that the main the main cast are so short anyway. Do they mm. count as cameo? I mean, even not even a comedy, but for example, in fucking Suicide Squad. That's <laughs> Slipknot. He can climb anything. Thank you. And Adam Beach is like, oh, it's Adam Beach. And he nuts a woman. And you're like, okay, that's awful. Um, <laughs> and then he climbs a building and oh, he's he's dead. He's out of here. Shit. Is that a, is, is that a cameo? Because there's so many people in that movie who, uh, I mean, I mean like tons and tons of people. Tons of actors. It was, in the, it was it? in the trailers, though. So that's tricky. <laughs> oh, I know that they were trying to spin it as like a surprise move. Yeah. It wasn't very surprising. But it was more like, is that, again, is that not going to be like as much a cameo as Batman is in that movie? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. He's in it for I mean, much time. Like, you know, does Brad Pitt in uh, Deadpool 2 
Yeah. Does he count as more of a cameo than the rest of X-Force, <laughs> who also <laughs> die in short turn yeah, because yeah. he's A, more famous, and B, invisible for most of the film and only shows up for about 12 seconds? Mm. Like, it's such a weird thing of like trying to weigh like like how much does this count yeah based on the type of film it is based on like how how long does the character show up how much of an impact do they have mm. um i know matt you you when we first started talking about this you were saying to, to your mind a cameo can't have any impact on Should, the plot shouldn't of the film. do yeah i i feel it shouldn't do yeah i i i'm not sure i agree with that but i can i can see your reasoning because mm. my logic is if 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 they affect the story, they are now a character. They're not mm. a cameo. They are an actual, you know, they don't have to be a named character. I mean, like Arnold Schwarzenegger walking out in the rundown slash walking to the jungle mm. and saying to The Rock, was it good luck or something like that? I don't know. It was, have fun. Have, have fun. Yeah, that kind of shit. It's like, that's a cameo. The, the, yes, mm. he could be construed as a character, but he's not. We're all looking going, hey, it's Arnie. And that's a key point here. We're not going, oh, look. It's like, it's... Oh, I wonder who of... he's playing in this film. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. Well, so to, to jump back to a film that we we prequelized in the previous season. Ooh. Prequelized? Sequelized. Ooh. Don't know what I'm talking about there. Um, is Bruce Willis a cameo in Ocean's 12? See, I don't think no, he is. No, I don't in think the same he way is. That, I don't think he is. I think he's actually a supporting character because he affects the story, as does Julia Roberts as Julia Roberts. He has proper. multiple <laughs> lines of dialogue. Yeah, this whole yeah, the whole plot could be subverted if it wasn't for this one person. But I think a lot um, of people yeah. would argue that he is a cameo. Or most people would. Most people yeah. definitely would. Because, mm. but but the world they've created, his presence doesn't. Put it this way: Howard the Duck. I keep going to fucking MCU. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Howard the Duck in both Guardians. Wait, it's it's in Guardians and Guardians Two, isn't he? Yes, yeah. he is. That's right. Yeah, and very briefly in in, in Endgame. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is madness. Endgame is a good example of too many cameos. And just it's just it's not a cameo. Everyone's in a fight. Um, but yes, he doesn't affect the story. He's just there. Um, and it's for fans to go, oh shit! No well, yeah, going, like the, oh, sh the collector's room is just references oh, yeah. to stuff in yeah it's just mm. full of easter eggs and i guess uh, some of the cosmo the telepathic russian dog. there you go exactly like that kind of stuff but then how the Duck actually got oh. his own like post credits thing voiced by seth green it's like okay yes. right now that counts mm -hmm. whereas you just saw like panning past or just like in the background is like okay that's cool yeah sure and then is it when he has a full speaking role? Like, does that, is that no longer a cameo? <laughs> it's it's a, if it's he's a, in the background, is he a cameo? But if he if he has lines, is he no longer a cameo? What's the if he fucks Leah Thompson again? Oh. He's no longer a cameo. <laughs> Brilliant. I think it, it it does come down to semantics, and there will be people who cannot agree on it because there are too many examples of is this person a cameo? But that surely the most iconic cameo is this character or this individual, and they are a person who speaks and affects the story. But this one is just. Hitchcock getting on a train in the background. That doesn't count. It's like, yeah, this person sells this person an item. It's like, it's, it's, it's really, I, I think it's actually very much speaks to our, should we say demographic, our group of people, people who like to talk about films or like films in general. Um, and this is true, but that's why I say it's, it's a thing that affects art and music and TV and video games because it creates the com. It sparks the conversation. Not we're no longer just talking about the content of whatever it is we've just absorbed. The uh, the art we've experienced. We're now talking about something that is utterly pointless. It doesn't affect. And in the, in the same way that when people come out of well, not for a very long time, and maybe twenty fourteen sort of era, people would come out of Marvel movies and talk about just the post credit sequences not the two hours they'd seen <laughs> of a movie. They'd be like, oh shit, because it gets you teased for what's next. 
And I think that's, I mean, again, the the music example, I mean, I'm pretty sure um, on Fame, the voice doing Fame is John Lennon, but you wouldn't know it because it's not as distinct. It doesn't, it's not signposted as heavily. And music is a really hard one to tell. Like, oh, did you know this person of this album playing saxophone? What the fuck? What? Really? Were they just <laughs> happen to be in the studio that day? No, they just, they just like well, each other. Sometimes that is a really common thing. You'll get like, oh, we, we were, yeah, we were just recording in the studio next to this other guy. And then he just yeah. walked in and just laid down a couple of <laughs> guitar happened. tracks or whatever. Yeah. And he just did us all a favor, good old Steve or Bob or whoever the fuck yeah. it was. And they did that. And that <laughs> does happen in the movie industry as well. And yeah, of course. The ones you've hinted at already, Matt, and ones I will talk about in more detail later on. There are certain studios where they'll be in a certain part of the world or whatever, or, you know, in a certain mm-hmm. city. And we're like, we're filming in LA. What celebrities in LA? All of them. (laughs) Yeah. Take your fucking pick. Oh, yeah. I happened to be on 34th Street on that day. So I wandered past the studio and fucking Brad Pitt walks in and there you go. Like, oh, it happens to be two doors down from John Lovitz. Mm -hmm. Hey, and he comes, all this kind of stuff. (laughs) That happens all the time as well. I think that's, yeah, the crossover between like music and film that works really well. There's a there's a kind of fun game that can be had that again these these don't really count as cameos but like people who are into the New York theater scene can oh, like yeah. go through episodes of like Law and Order and basically mm. any TV show that shoots <laughs> in New York and and there'll be people who are quite famous stage actors who maybe haven't broken through to TV and film who just show up to be like a murderer or the a you corpse. know the yeah, or the, yeah. The, mm-hmm. the kind of the false lead in, you yeah. know, an episode of Special Victims Unit or something, you know. <laughs> um, and, and there's a sort of a, a fun thing to just be like, oh, yeah, that person's a Tony Award winner. Um, you know, and here they are just getting gunned down in an alley, you know, for 30 <laughs> seconds. Just because, uh, yeah, it turns out if you're, you know, between plays, then you'll take any job that pays. Well, I, I, I genuinely feel it comes down to your understanding of, of the the medium that people are trying to, to, to draw attention to or put a spotlight on. So the, the one that always strikes out to me, there are two, in fact. First of all, is the one that is like, oh, cameo. And you're like, oh, the fuck are you talking about? Um, because it's international films. And I don't mean British American international films. I mean, usually the non-English speaking language films. Because you'll say like, ah, did you know in the film Daywatch, the sequel to Nightwatch, there is a scene where Anton bursts in to talk to somebody and all the people taking notes on how to, you know, be part of the Nightwatch. Yeah, yeah. They're all fucking Russian sci-fi and fantasy writers. And like, well, how in the fuck would I know that? <laughs> I was like, well, if you knew Russian sci-fi fantasy writers, like, yeah, of course, if I fucking knew. And it's like, oh, did you know in this movie, we've got this South Korean person. It's like, I don't know what that TV thing is because we don't show that TV program over here. I, I could just, I just thought it'd be an eccentric looking dude. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> and it feels a little, a little weird and out of place and you just, it, you aren't there. And the second one, the, the other more overtly obvious one, because it stands out because these people can't fucking act most of the time, is sports personalities. Oh God. Sports stars. And America is a, is a bastard for them. It's like, hey, this guy. Look, football player. He's, he's like, yeah, he, he's worth dude. like $160 million. I've never fucking heard yeah. of him. It makes you in- inherently awful because you are accidentally profiling people. It's like <laughs> this guy walks in and he goes, hey, and it's a really, 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 really tall <laughs> black African-American dude. You're like, 
is this going to be a basketball player cameo? <laughs> well, because I feel racist for saying it. And it's like, oh, it is. Thank fuck. I'm not an well, awful person. Yeah, well, that, not that as much. happened. And I, I briefly talked about, I think, you know, what we watched recently in Uncut Gems. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because there is literally a basketball player who I'd never fucking heard of in that playing himself. And he's really good. He's good. That's the thing. When they're and good, then, like, and then you the an weekend or shows up. The, this, this R&B singer, The Weeknd, just shows yes. up. You're like, wait, what? Is that? You can hear The Weeknd playing in the background. And he's playing in the club. And then he's actually in there having sex with somebody in the toilets. He's like, oh, that's actually The Weeknd. That's so weird. <laughs> he just I'm, happened I'm, to be having sex in the toilets. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Oh, he's just doing coke and banging chicks in the toilets. And uh, we've put a camera Playing on himself, him. he'd be not happy with that image. But he's like, fuck it. I'm in the I mean, I mean, he sings the songs that he sings, you know. Oh, I know, as I'm saying. I yes, can't yeah. fill my face when I'm with you, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, but, um, yeah, we talked about Trainwreck earlier, which obviously has yes. LeBron James in it playing himself, it does, but yeah. in a much bigger role because he's essentially like the romantic comedy best friend to Bill Hader. Um, he is. Uh, and, and is pretty great in that film. Is, isn't John Cena also in it as Amy Schumer's yes. ex? Yes. yes, he is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's all I know about that movie. Cameos, but not really because they're actually playing roles. Yeah. It was yeah. it was it was around the same time that John Cena was in uh, Sisters, the Amy Poehler and oh, Tina Fey yeah, thing, playing yeah. a, a drug dealer called Pazuzu, I believe. Um, <laughs> we, we mentioned athletes, and although yeah. you know, obviously, with American Hollywood dominating, you know, the, the the world of cinema, at least as far as we're concerned, you know, there's a lot of Ameri- uh, American sports people who show sure. up. I feel like the most egregious one in in recent memory is a British one. Which is fucking Ooh. David Beckham in the Guy Ritchie King Arthur film. King Arthur. Oh yeah. God, he's, he's the guard guarding the, the sword, sword in the, the stone. stone. We've oh, talked yeah, about yeah. that film before. Yeah, I've true. I've called that film out for being one of the most boring films I've ever seen it's in trash. my entire life. Yeah. I fell asleep twice trying to one watch that. One of six, apparently. <laughs> 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 Franchise starter. Kicking off the Arthurian Arthur, cinematic universe. It, is it Legend oh. of the Sword or whatever the fuck it's called? Yeah. Sure. The Charlie Hunnam vehicle post Sons of Anarchy. Good luck, Charlie. Mm. Fucking hell. But 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 that film that film comes to a screeching halt to basically go look. Hey, look, it's David Beckham in essentially what is one of the most important scenes in any Arthurian film, and and you're yep. you're spending all your time going like, oh, I wonder if he's is he like if What's they he up if, to if, these if days? they show his feet, mm. is he going to be just wearing trainers? Because that'd be really funny. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Like, and David it, Beckham is. I guess he's still famous, but he hasn't been a footballer for like 15 years, right? Like yeah. he fucked off to America to play in some half-assed American <laughs> American soccer league thing that You're I didn't know existed. Disparaging the LA Galaxy. I am disparaging <laughs> LA Galaxy, Tim. Yes, and then I, I guess he's just been hanging out, being a millionaire for the last decade, like yeah, making products. Sure, um, yeah. underwear and, uh, and having yeah, a weirdly endorsing. high-pitched voice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but and this is the thing here: some cameos aren't in movies because they just cut. It's like, oh, did you know I, I filmed a scene for this? It's like, what? And uh, They're on like, you know, usually DVD features, like, oh, deleted scenes, including a cameo from so-and-so. It's like, I didn't fucking know they're in this movie. Well, they're not in the movie because you have to cut for time. You could have cut a lot of these cameos for time, if I'm honest. Um, but there are some that are later removed, expunged, taken out, or should be removed. And the, the one that's sort of in the, um, uh, the, the popular consciousness, yes, exactly, at the minute, is is Home Alone two? Now I've always are we, I think we've mentioned this in the past. Home Alone two goes to the Plaza Hotel and uh, Macaulay Culkin's character looks around and goes, "Oh," and he asks, "Excuse me, can I go to the direct me to wherever?" And it's Donald Trump 
saying, yeah, just down the hallway, blah, blah, blah. And that was apparently like a condition of him, of them using the plaza, which he happened mm. to own at the time. It was like, yes, I want to be in the movie though. <laughs> to giving an unescorted minor directions. And I mean, in future law cases, I don't want to say anything too much, but who knows what kind of awful things <laughs> could have um, happened in that regard. But it's more the idea that he's, he, as a child watching, I didn't know who the fuck Donald Trump is. And to be fair, even when I was a teenager, and maybe in my early 20s, I don't give a fuck who Donald Trump was. Just a guy with ridiculous hair who's like he's famous because everyone tells me he's famous that kind of thing you know and now I know he's famous for being a shitty real estate agent and or real sorry real estate agents um, <laughs> he does own hotels guess. I guess so. yeah yeah who, who knows what he's doing by this point if he hasn't been yeah. arrested you know maybe he's just transitioned and become an estate agent in Slough exactly former real estate agent Donald Trump as we all know um, uh, he um, he gives the directions yeah that way he looks you know he turns his face you can see him on the camera and then Kevin walks away and as he, he walks away, he turns around and looks back at him like, well, that's weird, a child, and then walks off again. He was like, double down on my cameo, oh, and then keeps God. going. Um, Fuck off. And there's a lot of people petitioning saying, remove him from Home Alone. And <laughs> this is what I'm saying about the integral part of what would, if you remove Bruce Willis from, from, from Ocean's 12, does it still work? Are you going to have problems? Well, yes and no. It's not re- I mean, the scene doesn't make a difference. It's a bit confusing, convoluted without that moment, but sure. Whereas... If you remove Donald Trump from the movie, nothing changes. You wouldn't know it was there in the mm. first place. It'd be like, oh, okay, moving on. Um, <laughs> so there aren't actually a huge amount of these things that have been, you know, taken out properly. But there are lots of ones you think, oh, fuck, yeah, this person. I mean, weirdly enough, we're going to get to the space with one of our picks. It's like, oh, yeah, that guy. It's like, that's a good cameo. I like this cameo. It's, it's a really interesting one or whatever it is. And you're like, and it's got that guy in it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's, it's like, oh, you should watch this because it's good. But also this person. And that, that's the nature of um, the 21st century looking back on the 20th century and saying, the fuck was your problem? Um, and also <laughs> at the same time looking at itself and saying, the fuck is my problem? Um, mm. Because it's looking back and saying like, you know, why are we giving so many of these awful, awful human beings a platform in the first place? Oh, because they're surrounded by other awful human beings who enable them. So it's also, again, it's, it's, it's the reward for being an awful piece of shit. But how are we on that? Because I mean, that does enter into censoring, or no, does it enter into censoring Huckleberry Finn for like the N word or alternatively, does it enter into film censorship or the George Lucas territory of I'm changing the what is the movie, preserve it as it was, etc. Sticking with my, my definition, as it were, my, my, my logic of cameos, my preference, shall we say, probably, of cameos in that they don't affect the movie directly. And I mean that, you know, not that it, the character can have a fucking conclusion or something, but the, 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 it doesn't actually stop the story. If you remove it as a, as a Jenga piece, the tower stays up. Yeah, do, where, where do you guys fall on it? My, my personal opinion is don't just leave them in there so we can all go, who's that? That's a dickhead. Yeah, I think it's difficult. You get into that. To, we, well, no, we've touched on this topic before, as you said, not necessarily with cameos, but with full-on directors and cast members and stuff like that. Yeah. I will go out of my way not to actively support future projects from that person and fund their endeavors and then mm. and therefore fund them being a terrible person or a predator or a scumbag or whatever it is. A Polanski. A, a Polanski, a Spacey, uh Army Hammer, whoever it is. <laughs> but like that taking them out of history doesn't actually achieve anything like in terms of the, the greater scheme of things. Because I think 
Yeah. It's a difficult one because you, you, I know we're going to spin off into a huge political discussion. You could then spin off and talk about oh, the, easily, the, easily the uh, Confederate general statues and all that kind of stuff, which I think yeah, is, a, yeah. I think is a different thing personally. But I can see people making that connection. Sure. Um, yeah, I will go out of my way not to watch that stuff if I particularly find that person distasteful. But Donald Trump being in a Home Alone two, I have no plans ever watching Home Alone two ever again since we did it way back when. Sure. <laughs> Home Alone 2 is good. Nah, nah, not fast. Just watch the first one. There's no need for any of the others. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I think I said that three years ago as well. <laughs> I think you did. It's fine. <laughs> Carry on. Um, that doesn't offend me too much. I have no plans of ever going back and watching House of Cards, for example, because Kevin Spacey is front and fucking center for that yeah, one. Yeah. Whereas Donald Trump being in it for like two minutes is like, ah, whatever. But sure. if he was like the main fucking character... I would be, yeah, more more hesitant to revisit it. Mm. And I think that that makes sense from talking about kind of giving these people financial and, and prestige support yes. as well. Mm. Because as we talked about with Polanski previously, absolutely. Yeah, mm. presumably, you know, with cameos, the person is either seeing a very negligible amount in terms of royalties or they weren't even paid for the role in the first place because it was, it was literally just like yeah. a, oh, just drop in for the fun of it. And so they are not e- they're not even seeing you know if you stream the film on you know Netflix or whatever and somewhere down the line you know everyone in it receives you know point zero one of a penny or whatever you know <laughs> their 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 share of that is going to be extremely minuscule. Um, yeah. Whereas watching something where someone who is the star of it is is presumably going to get a bigger slice of the pie in that regard. Um, and I think you know to talk about home alone 2 specifically like i don't think it particularly you know it's (laughs) i mean that is a very 90s film i don't think Mm. you know i don't think anyone would mistake the context of it for like oh look it's the you know is he the president there it's like no he's (laughs) this he's a well-known well enough known figure that Mm. Oh no, he was he was a rich asshole back then and you know, he owned the hotel and and I believe sure. it's actually any film or TV that shoots in one of his properties he has the option for a cameo. Uh, um I think he he gets put into the contract. So what a penis. Yeah, what what a self-aggrandizing. Actually, no, that's not true. Sometimes you can think to yourself that would be quite fun because again, that's what Stan Lee does. Yeah. This is my house, my house of Marvel, house of M, and uh, I'm going to be in this movie. And it's like, I just, I just expect him to be there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, 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 it's not, it's awful because the person in question is awful. Yes. Mm. Much like the whole, like, it's a bad cameo because it's a bad movie. We yeah. didn't care anyway. That kind of thing. Um, but to kind of, to quote John Mulaney, like, Donald Trump has always just been a cartoon rich person. Um, he's the ho, he's a hobo's idea of what a rich person is. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> And like that, that is all the context you really need for his appearance yeah, in, in Home Alone too. Like, yeah, I I don't see much point in in removing him because he was always an asshole. Like, even but even before he was a you know courting white supremacists and all this kind of stuff. Like, yeah. he wasn't known for being a magnanimous, generous, kind-hearted no. person. He was just He's known not for being the guy who runs the toy shop. Yeah, he, he was he was known for being rich. And in that film, yeah. all he is is a rich person who owns a hotel. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not expected to believe that he's something he's not. So, mm. yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. That's fair. Should we um, 
have a discussion of some of the... Again, I always make the mistake. I always assume these are cameos that we like, rather than sometimes they're just ones we want to highlight. But um, should we talk about some cameos that we would like to bring people's attention to? Well, I think definitely. before we do that, we should probably uh, pay some bills. So, as always, our first advertiser is Stitcher Premium. You can listen to some of your favourite shows ad-free with Stitcher Premium. Plus, get access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more, all for just $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. What a bargains. Uh, and you can go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and use the promo code SEQUELIZERS, written like it looks on the whatever listening device you're looking at right now, uh, and you will get one month free. That's 13 months for thirty four ninety nine. That's some amount per month, maths-wise, and it's a pretty good deal. <laughs> it's less than $3 a month. Exactly. It's a bargain. <laughs> Our second advertiser today is Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add our podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section in the application and uh, they'll know that your boys at the Sequelizers sent them your way. Tell them the Sequelizers sent you. Yeah, we've been working with Podgo for a while now, as you, as you guys might have noticed from the new ads, and it's been They're good, been really great. They have a really great system for submitting ads and you know connecting with their support team and all that kind of stuff. So I can genuinely, for any listeners mm-hmm. who do have a podcast themselves, I really do recommend working with them, and uh, we will continue to work with them throughout the interseason and into next season as well because they've been mm. great. So with that little business taken care of, shall we get into? are notable cameos that we've chosen to highlight. Mm. I'm going to kick things off with a real fucking sore thumb cameo. A bunch of cameos. And yeah. unfortunately, one we do have to talk about the features an aforementioned person I don't want to mention, but he's in this thing. Because it's a cameo on purpose, mm. as, a, as a joke, and it's real weird, but it's also kind of genius. <laughs> it is the essentially opening scene opening shot for austin powers gold member and for those of you who haven't seen it austin powers is played by tom cruise yeah <laughs> and you're like wait i thought he was played by mike myers exactly and they do this whole thing where they're making a fake austin powers movie in the austin powers movie mm-hmm. again like the mortal Kombat thing there is a whole film within a film weird meta commentary bullshit going on and of course, because Mike Myers is, uh, how should we say, not your typical good-looking action star, like you would imagine a secret super spy, they just put Tom Cruise to say, yeah, baby, and be a fucking idiot. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you get Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm trying to think of her character's name. I believe um, it's Dixie Lott or something like that. Dixie Normous. It's Dixie, Dixie Normous. Normous. There we go. Dixie there we go. Normous, Christ. We got there eventually. Um, Goop Candle. <laughs> if they had done that in 2002 that would have been amazing just pretty creepy time traveling <laughs> yeah, exactly 
That would have been amazing. And uh, unfortunately, the aforementioned Kevin Spacey as mm. as Doctor Evil. The less we talk about him, the better. But I remember watching Goldmember when I was because I would have been thirteen or twelve when I saw this film, and Damn. that's a good age to see that piece of shit movie because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know it. I'd just seen the Star Wars prequels. I didn't know any better. <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, am I?" manufacturing a memory or does Danny DeVito play mini me in it as well? No, he is in it. Yep. I'm yep. mini me assholes mad. <laughs> ah, there's there's tons gun. of cameos in that yeah. because you also have Steven Spielberg directing it. He's doing the Mortal Kombat. He's doing thing. the thing. He is literally yeah. a Steven Spielberg, yeah. Um and John Travolta is gold member. Yes, that's right. And <laughs> at the end of the movie, is it a call? Is it a callback to the it called yeah. Yeah. It, the movie film within it a film. It calls back thing. to oh. the film within a film at the end. And John oh, Travolta is, quote, famous gold member. Is <laughs> his character, like, yeah. cast name. And, uh, yeah, the film is called Austin Pussy, because <laughs> of course it is. Um, <sighs> it's just, it, it blew 13-year-old Jack's mind. And 30-year-old Jack is like, yeah, that was, that was genuinely quite funny. That is genuinely quite, quite clever. Mm. And the fact that it's a cold open with that, is fucking genius and there are a few mm. things i love more than a good cold open and that is one of the yeah. funniest cold opens i can think of from my sort of like you know teen pre-teen years it is it is genuinely standout i i think of it as again as a a genuine because when you're in the semi like oh my god tom cruise that's that's a huge name and it keeps building with more and more it keeps, and like, going, what it the keeps fuck? going yeah yeah jack's also in this movie what <laughs> you mean jack osborne <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I meant you. Yeah, because <laughs> you look the same. We do. Um, no, we yes, share a name a, and we look the same. Hey, uh, folks, go and Osborne's Google Jack Osborne, and then <laughs> that's me. Google Jack Chambers, and then yeah, that would mean that works too. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm being facetious, but yeah, the Osborns are another cameo in, in, in like I think it's the classic innuendo bit. Oh my god, it looks like a giant, and then cuts to wiener. Anyone want some fresh wieners? That kind of bullshit. Yeah, uh, I believe you, you got like Burt Bacharach in there, but he's playing oh, yeah. Burt Bacharach. Uh, you've got isn't Katie Couric in one of the Katie fucking... Couric is a prison guard. Oh. Yeah, Quincy Jones is in there. Like, yeah, so weird. Those things are so full of mad cameos. But it's it's, yeah. it's that opening scene that really stands out for me. Always. Yes, I, I agree entirely. Yeah, and it 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 feels like it's got an extra layer of meta of having Tom Cruise do the cold open because it's two years after Mission Impossible Two with its mm. like amazingly mm. iconic cold open the, the mountain climbing exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. um yep. and it, it it's it's an interesting period for him where he was a little bit willing to take the piss out of himself um which sort of culminated with tropic thunder a few years later yeah um but he also we, had, we had a, the, um, the really good um i think it was an mtv movie MTV awards. awards sketch where yeah, it was with ben, stiller, ben stiller playing his stunt double yeah oh god yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i love that one i, I showed my wife the other day because i don't think she'd seen it I, it's it's still funny to me because it's just just john was saying harder hit him harder oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but and by the end of the the, the 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 real twist to me that makes it terrifying is uh that um ben stiller says yeah we've been together for so long that um because at the whole point, I should clarify just a bit of thing. Tom Cruise says, "Yeah, he's uh, he's not asked to turn up, but he does, and he's harmless. He's he's harmless." And eventually, by the end of the film, Ben Stiller says, "We just we, we finish each other's sentences all the time." 
And then Tom Cruise says, well, I don't think we've ever finished the others. And then Ben Stiller says, sentences. And they both pause. And both of them do a stupid laugh so much. It's like, oh, oh no, it's gone to a different world now. It's, now this whole thing about there's a one note joke is now like, oh no, they, there is a thing here. Separate entirely, but yeah. Yeah, to put it in, again, to put it into perspective of Cruz's career, this is between Minority Report and The Last Samurai. <laughs> <laughs> He's taking himself very seriously. And He's then, also just separated very recently from Nicole Kidman. So he is in the spotlight of the public, and I think he's just like, I'll do everything and anything because I want to be. This is, this is this post is... Nicole Kidman, pre Katie Holmes, freak out on Oprah's sofa. Oprah isn't it, I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think just before that, yeah. <laughs> Go Google that, folks, if you haven't seen it. It's mental because <laughs> Tom Cruise is mental. Just in case you hadn't already noticed. <laughs> I was going on a huge tangent, but then I realized we have a lot of cameos. We do, about. we do. So, yeah. My first pick, it's a very on the nose. It's very obvious because it's the it's opening fucking it's scene. Mm. It's a cold open, but it makes me laugh to this day. Let's, let's not talk about Kevin Spacey, but it makes me yeah. laugh. It's great. Matt, how about you? Give us give us a, a cameo of choice. Uh, let's go to the past. I've done mine in chronological order. Oh, so we're going to 1950. Um, so one of my favorite films is Sunset Boulevard. And it's one of those movies where I knew it was a good movie because... Everyone raves about it. You think, well, how good can it be? And I grew up in London, so the idea of, you know, I'd see buses passing around, old old red buses with, like, uh, posters for, for, for theatre productions. And you have the Oliver that spells out Oliver, but oh. it looks like Fagin's face. Oh, hey! And then you have the Cats poster. That must be good. Nope. And, um, <laughs> and Miss Saigon. Okay, don't really understand anything that's going on here because I'm not I'm too young to understand about that. But fine, yeah, sure. And Sunset Boulevard. Ooh. No idea. Didn't, I don't never really appreciate these things of musicals based on films or whatever. Don't give a fuck about the musical, but the film Sunset Boulevard is a bloody amazing. It is, um, for those who don't know, it's Gloria Swanson and um, uh, William Holden. And she, Gloria Swanson plays a, a, a former silent movie star. And she was, and it's true, she was a silent movie star. Uh, the character Norma Desmond is effectively a version of Glorious ones, but you know, crazy, and has a monkey funeral. Yes, there's a monkey funeral in that movie. Monkey funeral. <laughs> there's a monkey funeral. Um, as in a funeral for a monkey. Okay, uh, all the that's what that was. Yeah, thank you. Are taken off in the house to make sure she can't kill herself. It's it's also jam fucking packed with cameos. Tons of directors and and actors and all kinds of things all over the place. So you could highlight any of them. But it's what stands out to people who would know. Again, it's it's, it's if you're in the know about old. 1920s, 1930s Hollywood. How many people are fucking into that scene? In the 50s, of course, it would have been quite recent memory. We're the equivalent of us saying, oh, shit, we're going to make a movie now about how films were in the 90s. Like, right? Here's some big 90s stars. And if you want to know what that looks like, it's called fucking Expendables. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so it's a brilliant story. It's exceptionally well done. It's a magnificent noir piece. I, I, I highly, highly recommend Sunset Boulevard if you haven't seen it black and white movie but fucking give it a go it's also there's an opening shot that's been parodied so many times where william holden is dead face down in the pool narrating and it's like yeah so <laughs> um yeah, obviously he's dead and he's like and it flashes back to how he's got there but the shot is him underwater floating and they obviously this is before you had yeah. underwater cameras so it's like how did you get this shot i don't understand i won't tell you about it now because it's good but yeah the cameo in question is at one point Norman Desmond has some friends over playing cards, and there's one sort of very bony, older-looking guy who looks a bit uh, 
wide-eyed and he's a bit, oh, a bit lost. Oh, I think I'll, I think I'll just fold. That kind of thing. It's like, who's this timid fucker? It's fucking Buster Keaton. <laughs> I, I can't stress enough how important Buster Keaton is to cinema. He and Charlie Chaplin and Harold Lloyd, some of the most iconic silent movie actors. And it's like, oh, really? It's like, yeah, look at the stuff they were doing, both comedy and stunt-wise. People are like, oh, the comedy's funny. It's like, I don't know, but they were fucking nearly going to kill themselves yeah. trying. <laughs> um, um, but it was, it was very good. And Buster Keaton's is, is a Weird guy who... There's been a couple of clips that went viral on Twitter uh, earlier this year, late last year, whenever it was, in the last couple of months or so. Sure. And it was shots that look like CGI, but are real Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin stuff, where like mm-hmm. the, the wall, there's a, a wall falls down and he's standing oh, where, the, he's in the, where window. the window is. Yeah. And so it, it looks like the set is collapsing around him, but it's an actual shot that they yeah. really did. And the whole like climbing on the top of trains and stuff like, yeah, they're just literally on a train. There's no, yeah. mm. there's no fake trains, no miniatures, there's no, no bullshit. It's just a world famous actor on top of a train. Because that's the how you fucking thing, did it. The, yeah, exactly. He's like, well, I'll just do it. And it's like, what do you mean? It's like, well, I'll just... And this is where you get into like, you know, the idea of insurance and stunt doubles and these things. Speaking of Tom Cruise fall. as well. Yeah, exactly, He's the equivalent exactly. of that these days. Like, um, I'll just fly the helicopter upside down. What do you mean what? you will? <laughs> like, yeah, I can fly a helicopter. Of course I can. I'm Tom Cruise. Yeah. What, what do you mean you can fly, you can fly a helicopter? I don't know. You can even fly a helicopter upside down full stop. They don't <laughs> let you do it, Tom. I'm like, yeah, fuck <laughs> it. Why not? And if they say, like, what's the problem with the insurance? Like, I own the company. Fuck it. And that was like, these people were huge, huge stars. So to have him is just this very, and he's very distinctive. He's got this, for lack of a better word, big bug eyes. And he's a very distinct face. And him just playing cards quietly in the background. Like, hey, shit! <laughs> and, and you know it's old Hollywood. And it makes sense the story that she'd hang out with old other old silent film stars. And you're like, holy fuck! And it's hard to, to, to sort of put into context for a contemporary audience how many people are in this. Unless you were to watch something like... Oh, another fucking controversial person. Great. Um, say you're watching something like Celebrity. I think it's 1998 by Woody Allen. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. But if I reel off some of the cast in that movie, which I won't because it's too fucking long, we've got enough to talk about. But if you look at Celebrity, uh, say 98, there's just so many people who've been like, I mean, like at that point, I think they've got a cameo from a very small role from, from um, Charlie's Theron and Leonardo DiCaprio. By the way, it's not necessarily a good movie, but the amount of people in it is insane. And you've got older people as well, because it's like, oh, everybody is in this movie. It's crazy. Or an Oliver Stone film, that kind of thing, like JFK. Uh, but yeah, so th- this is about Hollywood, has old Hollywood in it. Buster Keaton stood out to me personally. I was like, holy shit, Buster Keaton, that's crazy. I think Charlie Chaplin was in exile at that point in Switzerland and couldn't couldn't move because Hoover hated him. <laughs> what the fuck was going on at that point? Um, and he refused to come back until he won an Oscar or something. But the point is that it's the prime example of if you know who these people are, it's fucking huge and it's crazy. And it's a huge commentary that furthers the movie without affecting the movie. If you don't know, it's just an old man playing cards with this, with this old lady who's a bit crazy and has a monkey funeral. <laughs> Tim, who have you got to, to, to spy from the corner? Uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue with the uh, Hollywood self-referential Oh yeah. Uh, discussion, um, and also carry on with Jack's idea of multiple cameos uh, in a comedy. So I have picked, and again, we were discussing this earlier. This is this is not a great film, but a very fun cameo, and probably has the odd distinction of a film where one actor cameos twice as two different characters. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm talking about Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I actually like this film. <laughs> Which uh, 
obviously has a lot of, if you're familiar with it, has a lot of cameos because it's essentially Kevin Smith going through his film oeuvre up to that point and taking mm-hmm. his his sort of weird little side characters and, and doing a kind the, of... The viewers universe characters. Yes, he's a kind of Hollywood farce based around them. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cameo that I really like uh, is the one on the set of uh, Goodwill Hunting 2, colon, Hunting Season, (laughs) where it has Ben Affleck, who also cameos as uh, a character that he had previously played in Chasing Amy in in, Kevin Smith's films. Um, He's playing himself. It's got Matt Damon playing himself, or himself playing Will Hunting from from the famous film. It's also got uh, Gus Van Sant, the director of Goodwill Hunting and <laughs> counting money, counting money, yeah, brilliantly just sitting there counting money, and they can't even get him to say action because he's so busy counting his money. Yeah, um, and uh, Scott William Winters, who mm. is basically best known as being the asshole guy in the Goodwill Hunting bar <laughs> scene, who yeah. uh, Will Hunting, you know, kind of shows off to and and shows up that he's not actually that smart, mm-hmm. and it's just. It's such a pitch perfect. There are so many little moments in it. He he does this the the they're getting ready to act and he does a kind of weird stretch his face out thing in preparation that just feels so like true to life of actors just warming up. Um, oh yeah. Affleck and and Damon are very funny just kind of playing this this exaggerated version of themselves where just talking about like okay just do it for the paycheck and then the film the kind of the script that they're the scene they act out is just this ridiculous, basically playing over the the, the greatest hits of of Goodwill Hunting and then having them bring out a shotgun and blast the guy <laughs> to death. Um, I I do still love line. It's like how you like them apples, applesauce, bitch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I, I don't like brilliant. the sound of them apples at all. What are we gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. It is. It's supremely stupid. Um. But, like, in a film that has a lot of gags that have aged really poorly yeah. um, and are just incredibly, like, puerile and adolescent. It's it, Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah. It is It is wonderfully... It's both kind of wonderfully silly and also still holds up. Like, watch that scene and it's still pretty, pretty damn funny today. And I think, you know, I think it, we... Uh, Affleck has, seems to have got a bit self-serious uh, over the past few years, and I think it would it would do him good to to show up again. I think playing right. playing a fashion. couple of different stupid versions <laughs> of himself. Well, I mean, he, he did that in the uh, Jay and Silent Bob, Bob reboot. reboot. Yeah, it oh, was yeah. too self-serious, so it was dumb. Yeah, I was going to say this is one of the only examples that I can think of a two-way cameo, a two-way crossover cameo that I think is fucking fascinating. So in Jane Silent Bob, you've obviously got tons and tons of cameos. Tim's right. You've got fucking uh, Mark Hamill and, yeah. and Carrie Fisher and t- fucking everybody's in there somewhere. They're going to the Miramax movie lot to stop a movie being made. At one point, they're trying to get this monkey back and there's they're filming another scream, basically. And Wes Craven is there and the the killer that's off the ghost mask and it's an orangutan yeah and people love monkeys it's been tested and then it comes in they try and steal they take him away and then um uh, jay shouts we love this monkey what and then he goes see if you watch scream three at one point courtney cox's character walking along and she gets shouted at by jay and silent bob yeah say hey it's carney fucking chung or something like that and he goes but fuck 
whatever the fuck the line is. Yeah. And uh, he just carries on. It's like, wait, so no, that doesn't, <laughs> what? And it's, it's, it's literally the, yeah. It's like, uh, it's like when Arbed has a whole, uh, um, in community, oh, has his whole speech about Town, showing it? up on the set of Cougar Town. And then yes. you actually, Daniel Pudi actually does. Yeah. Yeah. That's so weird. And the thing is, it's, it's such a, it's a lot of setup to do that. But actually, if you think about it, no, it's not. It's really easy. You're both in the same place. Yeah. It takes five minutes to do it. But it seems like it's fucking, like you have to have like a, 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 um, a, a sort of flow chart to figure out a Nolan movie to say, how did they manage to do this? It's like, they're organizing actors so all the time. It's, it's no different. Temporal pincer movement in order to get an orangutan <laughs> in the right place at the right time. Yeah. In Scream 3. <laughs> uh, Jack, background to you. I'm going to talk about the ones we hinted at earlier on, and Matt mentioned a couple. Let's talk about some modern Star Wars films, shall we? <laughs> Star because Wars. Talking about Star, Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> um, Matt, you mentioned the uh, Prince Harry and Prince William are stormtroopers. And Apparently. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One's a real short ass. He's, he's a little short for a stormtrooper, so you can probably get this one, <laughs> one of the princes. Um, and they they like flank the scene where Finn is questioned about being. This is in the Last Jedi, I think, isn't it? Um, Finn is dressed up and is like, "Hey, you! I recognise you." And I'm like, oh, what, "What? Never thought you'd get a promotion. Congratulations!" Like, <laughs> oh thank god. And that guy has a real weird southern drawl because it's Tom Hardy doing one of his silly fucking voices. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Literally, he's like, promotion, promotion. I don't think you get get promotion. <laughs> oh, good for you, fella. Like, fuck that. You can tell it's Tom Hardy because he's got his silly fucking voice on. He's doing his voice from Lawless. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And there's a bunch of those things in the modern Star Wars. We mentioned Greg Grunberg. Funny enough, he's who's also in Austin Powers, gold member, um, as a cameo. Mm-hmm. It shows up on all the J.J. Abrams stuff, but it, it started off as the Abrams bits and pieces, and then fucking everybody is in those films. Yep. Tom Hardy is one of the more famous ones. The Prince is. Daniel Craig is a fucking stormtrooper in The Force Awakens. He is the, uh, when Rey tries her first mind trick, and he's like, you're going to release my cuffs and let me go, or whatever. Mm. And they're like, why would I do that? Like, Actually, no, yeah. Oh, oh. You're going to drop your guns and, and leave them for me. It's like... I'm gonna drop my gun. See you later. And that's <laughs> Daniel Craig in a in a stormtrooper suit. And the reason they did it, and we mentioned this before, because it's all shot at Pinewood Studios, and Bond was being filmed there, and it's in London, so every fucker just lives within mm-hmm. a certain yeah. mile radius of Pinewood Studios <laughs> in England, because England is just mm-hmm. London basically. So <laughs> all the actors just congregate in this blob, and everybody's mm-hmm. in those fucking Star Wars movies, even ones that are like. Slightly more obvious. So Uncar Plutt in the first one is Simon Pegg. Yes. Some people, the one quarter portion guy yeah. in a massive fucking animatronic suit thing mm. and like practical effects and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Some people may not know that um, Ryan Johnson's favorite, you know, each director has like a favorite actor they always work with. Joseph mm. Gordon-Levitt is in The Last Jedi, everybody. Yeah. You might mm-hmm. not know that because he's barely fucking in it and he's hidden as an <laughs> alien, but it's very clever. And I love that kind of shit, where it's just like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in The Last Jedi. What the fuck? And I remember like finding out, like, Justin Thoreau is one of the gamblers in um, yeah. on the casino planet. He's, he's the gambler. He's the gambler, yeah, with the, with the moustache and the white tux and stuff. Like, mm. oh my God. 
It's just full of stuff like that. You get the obvious ones. You get like Gareth Edwards, who's the Rogue One director. He's yep. in Rogue One and he's also in The Last Jedi. Uh, mm-hmm. The writer of Rogue One, Gary Ritter, one of the writers, Gary Witter, is in Rogue One but was cut out. As you mentioned, sure. that's quite a common thing for people yes. getting cut. All sorts of stuff like that, basically. There's loads of... I think Michael of... Giacchino is in it as a stormtrooper as well. He's he is, the, yeah. He's the composer yeah, yeah. Of, of Rogue One and things like Again, one of J.J. Abrams' buddies. Yes, yes. Just like, yeah. oh, he scored all of my films. Yeah, just chuck him in there, it'll be <laughs> fine. Uh, even to the point where, like, who voices uh, BB-8? Oh, it's Bill Hader and Ben Schwartz. Yeah. <laughs> if you've yeah. ever watched SNL or, like, an American comedy in the last decade, ta-da, there you go. It's all these you weird mean, little you mean moments. Sonic weird... and Alpha 5? <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, that too. <laughs> and even like people don't know that Kira Knightley is in Phantom Menace because she's, oh, yeah. she's the other Amidala yeah, that's not free. Amidala that's the queen that's the, the queen mm. like <laughs> protective double character. Yes, yes. Because Natalie Portman and Kira Knightley basically look like the same person if you put them in enough makeup. <laughs> yeah. And even sometimes if you don't, they just look like the same person. <laughs> it's real weird. It Star Wars is full of this shit and there's just random people. Like one of Amidala's um, guards is Dominic Cooper. Yeah. Sorry, not Dominic Cooper, Dominic West. Dominic, Dominic West, he was the, guy, say, from, yeah. the guy from The Wire. Um, it's just full of weird little shit like that. Like, what? what? How are they in the Star How are they in the Star Wars movies? That's mental. <laughs> Even ones that make sense don't make sense. Like George Lucas and his kid play ambassadors at that fucking opera. With oh, the God. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember when, when Force Awakens came out and with all the kind of, you know, think pieces and et cetera that, that instantly come out. And, you know, I, th- I feel like um, to a certain degree, like modern cameos only happen to give pe- like YouTubers like stuff, oh, content, yeah, content. To, to, to make stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, 10 people you didn't know were in The Last Jedi. Yeah. It's, a, it's a screenshot and it's got a red circle and a yellow arrow coming in. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, but I can remember people being like, Oh well, you know Simon Pegg obviously plays Ungar Plot, and I can remember going like, I didn't recognise him because he's under like eighty pounds of yeah, prosthetics and thing, doing yeah. a, a doing a, a voice, you know. Yeah, I I did not tweak that that was him on first watch. I think it, once you know it's him, if you're kind of looking for it, you can go like, oh yeah, I can kind of see it, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can remember someone saying it as if it was like, well, obviously, it basically just stares into the camera and does a wink. It's like, no, that's one of those cameos where like you kind of have to know to be looking for the person. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's an interesting thing there because fuck Rise of Skywalker, um, and <laughs> specifically that even with like the best cameo they could do, they still managed to fuck it up. Um, one of the best cameos in Rise of Skywalker is bringing in. I can't remember the fucking guy's name. It's it's Ewan McGregor's uncle, um, who plays Boy Gentilly's. Who everyone's like, oh, yeah, I want yeah. him to go. He's like, whatever. He's in the, all the original three. Mm. He's a fan favorite. He commands Rogue Squadron. He lives to the end. He's everyone loves him. And the, mm. the actors just said, it's like, his name? Dennis, I think his name is. He, he Dennis said, like, Lawson. What? I think that's right. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yep. So he said, why would he want to come? I don't know. I'm going to come back. Fuck that shit. Fuck that. And then finally, they get, give him enough money that he comes in and, you know, says, good shot, Red 2 or some bullshit. Um, as he's flying around, as he's in the cop, uh, the, the 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 gunner bits of the Millennium Falcon, you're like, oh look, it's Wedge Antilles. So is he like not part of the resistance now? You, <laughs> I, I get what you're doing with this cameo, but you've actually broken the world a little bit. Here. I mean, that's a big exaggeration, but it's like you've kind of fucked it quite magnificently. He's, it reminds yeah, me he, of he reprises his role, but like literally, it's just a shot of him in the cockpit, right? And he says like, pretty much it. Red, blah blah blah, standing by or whatever he is like. 
Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, well, what are you doing? It's, it, it reminds me in a weird way of all the random cameos in the Star Wars holiday special. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? We don't talk about that one, Matthew. No, I do talk about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so, even and, and, like, like speaking of Rise of Skywalker, you get uh, John Williams. He's the guy with the eye patch yes. in the background and like yes. the, 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 the bartender. Mm-hmm. And his name is Omar Tress. Which is a anagram of maestro, which I thought was quite nice. I like that stuff. Yes, yeah, right. I like I like little things like that. And there's a bunch yeah. of stuff like, oh, Oscar Isaac's uncle is in there somewhere. Like uh, when they come back and they all like hug and they, they, Finn and Poe should have kissed, but they don't kiss. That bit there. <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda is just a random like X-wing engineer. The, the the guy from Hamilton just just hanging out in the, background, in the background, being like, "Yay, well done, Resistance pilots!" Like that's because he he did the. Uh... The Jabba song in Last Jedi, I believe. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But that's interesting because that does also a thing we haven't talked, we won't talk about now, but the idea about cameos, there's also the other two, which are family and friends who are not supposed to be known by people. Like, mm. do you know that's their kids? And like, oh, or like it's Oscar Warwick Isaac's Davis uncle. Is, yeah. So and so Isaac. I don't know who the fuck yeah. he is. But yep, yeah. Like him. Warwick Davis has his children in one of the Harry Potter movies as little tiny goblins as like in the bank. Ha- you know, like Harrison Davis. Warwick's son is one of the Ewoks in one of the later ones as well. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't surprise me at all. Exactly. Um, but at the same time, uh, there's also competition winners who are obliged to be in there <laughs> and walk on in the background and say, hi, we'll do something. But anyway, um, Star Wars is a fucking nightmare for them. It's a In mess. both a good and a bad way. Yeah. Mm. And we feel like we couldn't go through this list without mentioning. Oh, no. And then yeah. there's just like, like Harry Styles is apparently in there somewhere. Kevin Smith is not on screen, but he does the like X-wing pilots coming in twelve o'clock or whatever. As the yeah. before that, I've that's a... one hell of a pilot moment where <laughs> Poe swoops in. That's Kevin Smith's voice because mm. he's mates with J.J. Abrams again. Like of Harry Styles is in there. Ed Sheeran is in there apparently. And um, thank God it's not the Game of Thrones Ed Sheeran cameo where he literally <laughs> turns to camera and is like. Oh hey, it's me, Ed Sheeran. I better Let sing me a song. sing you a song. <laughs> oh god! But yeah, I, I love little moments like that where they don't. If you don't know, you don't know. But when you find out, you're like, "Oh, that's cool." That yeah. doesn't take away or particularly add anything to the movie, but it's a, <laughs> just a fun little thing. And like you said, Tim, you get those like gatekeeping assholes who are like, "Well, obviously it's Simon Pegg as Uncar Plot because you can hear blah 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 blah." Like, no, I watched the whole film and had no idea, and then saw there's that quite famous picture of him with the like lower half of Uncle Plutt's body. Yeah, just being like, "I'm in Star Wars, yeah!" <laughs> with his big old nerdy grin on his face, like, "Bloody hell, that was Simon Pegg." I guess that's that's crazy. But yeah, I thought I'd just give a give a shout out to the various no it's myriad yeah. Star Wars had cameos. to be done had to be done. Matt, back around to you. This is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. Um. This one does not affect the story. You could remove the scene and it would still work. However, it is part of the block of the psychosis of this character. So the idea is that there are so many examples of why this uh, individual ends up doing what he does by the end of the movie because he's in, he's just driven by the shittiness of society. And this is just an exa- another example of someone being shit. And yet, this is an accident, technically, and there are two of them. So, I am talking about Martin Scorsese in Taxi Driver from 1976. Mm. So, Taxi Driver, amazing fucking movie. Uh, one of the big breakouts for Scorsese, along with um, Mean Streets, and starring Robert De Niro, 
and a bunch of other people. And it's just fucking, obviously still a great movie. It says a lot about politics and mental illness and all kinds of things. And one scene in particular has one of the fair, the, the taxi fair that, uh, uh, that De Niro is picking up, happens to be Martin Scorsese. Now, you wouldn't know this at the time Martin Scorsese wasn't much of a personality. He was just a guy with, you know, black hair and a beard. Big eyebrows. Yeah, and just, just talks really fucking fast. But now it's like, holy shit, it's Martin Scorsese. It's almost un- unavoidably him. But, you know, a younger version. No glasses and no uh, grey hair and old. But talking hell of a fast, because, you know, drugs. Um, <laughs> but he has two cameos. The other cameo is him just sitting outside the senator's campaign headquarters. And there's a slow motion shot. And he's just sat there in a big t-shirt, I think. And that's kind of the point. That's his cam. That's his Hitchcock. That's his cameo. Mm. But people forget that one even exists because he has a bigger fucking cameo because he has a whole goddamn scene and he talks in it. And the reason he does that allegedly is because the person he had to do it or the cast for that role either wasn't available or pulled out of the last minute and they're like, fuck, 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 what do we do? And I think, I don't know if it's De Niro or not, someone just said, you do it. <laughs> he goes, ah, okay, uh, yeah, I'll do it. I'll, I'll make up things. He gets straight back in the fucking car. The scene is fucking crazy. So Travis Bickle's driving this this fair around and he is just this fast talking New York asshole and he's talking in this really awful racist misogynistic rant about killing his wife with a 40 foot magnum specifically and it's like 45 magnum he's like yeah I'm gonna kill her and it goes on about this sort of stuff and again it fuels Travis's hatred of people it very much keeps adding to that and it's this very weird scene in what it is but you know and it's like why would you choose to be that guy it's like because I kind of fucking had to. And that's kind of also what happens with um, just acting and directing in general. Sometimes you go, shit, shit. Uh, let's just get this person because I've, I've, I, haven't, I have no time. That's, that's very much an independent or a very early starting career kind of thing where you have very little power, very little control. So you chuck yourself or some random friends in it or a guy who happened to be a carpenter on a film you did previously called Harrison fucking Ford. <laughs> um, you know, um, and then you get later when you get more powerful, you get Martin Scorsese chucking his mother into Goodfellas and you're like, wait, that's his actual mother? It's like, yeah. Can she act? She's just being a mum. She can do that. She's my mum. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, oh. And, and just, you know, they're sitting having dinner and uh, Pesci's talking to her. She's like, oh, that's, that's terrible. Here, have this more food. And it's just like ridiculous, but it's, yeah. So I, I it stands out to me because because if you don't know the background of it, you think it's a very egotistical, arrogant thing to do. Oh, I get it. You knew this would be a big movie for you. You knew this was going <laughs> places. You knew this was a statement and you couldn't help but be in the fucking movie. And not just to fucking walk in the background, you had to be this guy giving this really big, bold speech. It's like, I, I mean, yes, there are definite examples of that. And some even weird stuff from, you know, Scorsese himself where he plays a fucking fish. <laughs> A fish story, whatever it's Fuck. called. Shark tale. A fish story. A fish story. A shark tale. Synonymous with the same thing. Um, but the point is that that's not the case here. It's just a case of like, oh shit, shit, we're running out of time. Mm. We're shooting this all at night. We have to get someone now. Fuck it, I'll do it. I, I mean, so many times yeah. I have been a stand-in for other actors uh, <laughs> and actresses where I'm like, we need a body double. I'll do it. Because it's, it's the nature of independent movie making. You're like, fuck it, fuck it. I'll, I'll fudge it in post. And you do something. You get away like, you know, you don't, what you don't realize is the person getting pe- punched in the reverse shot is actually the director, not the actor. Because the actor was actually off on the other side. And like, oh, that's interesting. This is one of those moments. But because it's so big, it feels like a, an obnoxious moment in a weird way. It'd be like if Kubrick was playing the guy who gave Jack Torrance his, his contract at the Overlook Hotel. And you're like, why the fuck did you do that? Like, <laughs> there was no one else available. I had to do it. Like, All right. So yeah, for me, I, I, I remember that one of the being an also an early one that I remember as a, as a younger man thinking, 
in, in two forms, thinking, that's ridiculous. Um, and something that doesn't come up very often now, uh, the way you find out about a lot of these things, other than hearsay, anecdotes, and all sorts, is usually director's commentaries, where they'll say, interesting fact here, that's that. Yeah. And you, you have to, play, hang on, pause that, rewind, what? <laughs> um, and you don't get a lot of those now because of the nature of, you know, mm. physical media and the fact that we stream a lot of stuff so you don't... T- I mean, Disney Plus seems to be trying to bring it back a bit. Um, most of self-promotional sort of self-aggrandizing and things, but yeah. Um, but Tim, Tim, mm. do you want to bring us another one of your fine, fine cameos? Yes. Uh, I'm going with another... It's another person playing themselves, but it's of a very different flavor to our sort of metatextual Hollywood giving itself a hand job. Uh, sure. type previous ones um, and this is a case of a a musician cameo which are, could could be a whole little sub-genre mm-hmm. I mean the amount of fucking rock stars who show up in the Pirates of the Caribbean films over the course of the thing mm-hmm. uh, often in truly painful cameos uh, but this <laughs> is this is one that I, I quite enjoy uh, which is Bruce Springsteen showing up in High Fidelity Oh, yeah. Very Um, brief, but very good. Very brief. um, A a film that I greatly enjoy. um, Me too. Which, you know, you could probably guess from our demographic information that it would be one. Um, (laughs) But it's uh, it's John Cusack's main character is just kind of talking to himself, going through his situation and talking about how he wants to to kind of look up his his ex-girlfriends and find out kind of where they are and, and what they're doing in life and, and basically reassure himself that kind of... It wasn't his fault. It wasn't his fault, basically. It's, it's a very toxic premise Yes, uh, that's given a lot of charm to sell it to you. Yes. Because it's ultimately a guy saying, what were these bitches thinking? Oh, actually, <laughs> I was the asshole, but I'm not going to learn anything. Yeah. Um, but he basically, he describes it to himself. Uh, he says like, oh, it'd be like a Bruce Springsteen song. And then it kind of cuts to Springsteen essentially kind of singing slash narrating direct to camera, just kind of going over the situation with him. And it's like he has conjured this sort of avatar of Bruce Springsteen to just kind of, I'm just going to kind of talk through my plan here and and I'm going to have the boss just kind of give me his tacit approval for doing this extremely stupid self-destructive thing. Um and it, it works because it kind of plays it's it's all it's like the mythic version of Bruce Springsteen rather than the actual person. And it's just this kind of it's it's almost a dream or a daydream that he's having of uh, as someone who is so, you know, the, the whole film is so rooted in music mm. um, and it's just him latching on to this thing. And, you know, in a lot of ways, the film is about kind of um people who live their lives entrenched in media uh, and the yes, the, the yes, unhealthy things that that can do to you. And it's, you know, it's him romanticizing this situation that he's, he's about to put himself into by turning it into a Springsteen song. Um, and it's just a, a fun little moment. It, it kind of reaffirms the film's kind of musical bona fides um, while also giving a, a fun kind of visual angle to 
it, it, it's another expression of how much music plays a role in in the lives of these characters that you know this is kind of you know if i'm gonna if i'm gonna think about something really serious then i'm gonna imagine myself in conversation with one of my favorite musicians because that's how i process all this all the emotional information in my life and and spring screens he's good fun in it he's just you know it's just him strumming a guitar being cool so you can't really ask for more than that i i think this actually this might be one of the most complex and wonderfully layered cameos of our selection because there's so much being said without being said. Tim's entirely on it, by the way, he's, he's nailed it. Um, in that we have lots of forms of cameos. This is one of, um, again, it doesn't affect the story because, uh, you know, John Cusack's character's already made his mind up about what he's going to do. Mm. But it's subliminally and maybe unintentionally says a lot about it. So you have like the, the uh, antiquated classic look of like, oh, the devil and angel on my shoulder giving me advice yeah. or oh, what should I do? <laughs> this character doesn't have that. He has one person and it's an idol of his. And more than that, it's the um, fictionalized version of his idol that is definitely going to agree with him because he's the best. It's like saying, I've got an idea. I really want to buy a video game. I don't have the cash, so I'm going to steal money from my gran. You're like, okay, don't do that. Tell you what, I'll have a bit of a think about it. Who's my hero? Superman. Okay, okay. I'll picture Superman. Christopher Reeve comes out and he says, Hi, son. He's like, oh, Superman. I want to steal some money from my gran. Do a video game. Is that going to do? What's the video game, son? Oh, it's, it's, um, it's Left 4 Dead. Left 4 Dead. Superman it's, it's, 64. <laughs> the greatest of video games. Yeah, it's The Last of Us Part 2. That's a great video game. You should definitely do it. Thanks, Superman. So, <laughs> it'll, it'll support no. the economy. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that doesn't sound like anything that character's like, yeah, but my version would break his neck. Oh, that kind of thing. It's like, my version Superman. would definitely that. Yeah, and that's kind of the point. It's, it's the idea that this Bruce Springsteen who, by the way, apparently, and I don't know, so hates being called the boss. Yeah. So this version doesn't mind that apparently, and he's happy to go along with whatever the character wants because he's going to do it anyway, because it's his fictional projection and manifestation on it. And as Tim said, it's all that nature of how we absorb culture. It's like, you know what? David Bowie would definitely approve of me having a wank right now. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? None of this makes any sense. You're on a train. Ah, uh, Bowie, give me the old wink and a nod. He was like such a, he was a rebel, rebel. Yeah, love Chuck, it. Chuck Norris would give the thumbs up to my. He would give me a parking yeah. in this disabled space. And it, by the way, the the reason I'm bringing this up as an actual and saying it's so <laughs> layered is if you take this to the nth degree, the ultimate extreme, you end up with things like storming the Capitol. You end up with <laughs> well, the founding fathers wanted me to do this. What weird version do you think Home this Alone is? I watched Home Alone two once, and now I want to destroy the government <laughs> as we know it. Yeah. There's also things going on. There's pizzeria over there. You know, it's it's all this nonsense that you you project. So, in a way, this particular cameo says a lot about basically disgruntled white people, yeah, uh, men specifically, <laughs> yeah. Um, in but in a in a very cutesy, simple setting, it's like, oh, I don't think you meant to do this, but you've unintentionally said something very, very important here. Um, as in as a film, not Tim. Tim knows what he's doing. Um. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that's a, and again, it's such a small passing cameo, and it's so innocent. And people might say, "Hang on, let me just YouTube this," because you guys have said so much, so so deep, and go, "No, it isn't, you fucking idiots!" Twenty <laughs> seconds, and they just did it because they wanted Bruce Springsteen to be in their movie. It's like, yeah. yeah, that's also true. That's true. That's what's on the surface, but we know deep down the core. So, Jack, the final of our of our three selections. One of my favorite films, and 
one of my favourite cameos that, again, had no idea when I watched that film and then found out. It's a film full of cameos because this director and this group, I I mentioned one of them already, love to do this kind of stuff and just hang out with their mates in the films. Yeah, I'm going to talk about Hot Fuzz, ladies (laughs) and gentlemen, before Edgar Wright got terrible I, li- I like his first two movies a lot i feel he's always been kind of a terrible person but I, in I, terms I, of his quality yeah, his output yeah. yes i agree seems like a dickhead but hopefully not a sexual predator dickhead hopefully fingers, fingers crossed by the time this episode goes out to the public <laughs> who knows you never know never know someone so we've you, mentioned in here is probably awful we just don't know who it is yet exactly exactly so Wheel you've got fortune. um You've got Joe Cornish is Bob in the background. You've got Edgar Wright himself. He's a shelf stacker in one of the supermarkets. There's a couple of other Steve Coogan's in there. He's the like um, city police chief inspector, like chief guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my two favorite cameos, and one in particular. One of them I love is Peter Jackson is yes. the Father Christmas guy getting arrested. Yeah. <laughs> like stab Simon Pig in the hand. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Criminal dressed as Father Christmas is his official title. And my one of my absolute favorite cameos is Kate Blanchett as <laughs> Nic- Nicholas at Angel's ex-girlfriend Janine. And for those of you who haven't seen Hot Fuzz, She's entirely in full, like, forensic CSI PPE biohazard suit type thing. We're all familiar with that now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're aware of the global pandemic, right, guys? (laughs) That. Um, But she's a crime scene investigator. They're all, like, dusting for prints and going around and all that kind of stuff. And Simon Pegg's character, Nicholas Angel, the main character, is a police officer, and he goes to visit his ex-girlfriend because he's moving away. That's the whole start of the film, basically. And she is in full hazmat suit the entire time with a protective mask and like goggles and all this kind of stuff to the point where he goes up to the wrong person. (laughs) Oh, no, that's me. Like, I'm sorry. I love you. I need to leave. Like, I'm not Janine. Turned around. I'm sorry. I love you. I need to leave. (laughs) And like, I had no idea it was Kate Blanchett. And I was like, I really recognize that voice. Who the fuck is that? I wonder who it is. And then I got the DVD a few years later. It's fucking Kate Blanchett. Oh my <laughs> God. Like one of my favorite actresses. That's insane. Like what the hell is she doing in this? She's in it for like 25 seconds. Yeah. And even there's the cameo. So Bob, I mentioned earlier, Joe Cornish is her new, her new partner. Mm. It's like, wait, have you been, have you been cheating on me? It's like, no, no I'm seeing someone else. It's Bob. It's like, Bob is like, mm, not me, Bob. Hello, just Joe Cornish in background. Be like, "Hello, it's me." It's mental that those yeah. two people are just in that room for like twenty seconds, and because of the full hazmat suits, you would have no clue unless yeah. you're either really paying attention or you already know going into it. Yeah. And I just love it so much. It's so funny, so clever, and just a, a brilliant way of using that cameo cleverly to like not reveal who it is and actually have it in the costume design and all that kind of stuff i just love that moment so much it's it's almost nerdily antagonistic <laughs> it's like you're going to get these amazing individuals that people will recognize and especially considering like peter jackson oh Peter, people recognize peter jackson yes he just did lord of the fucking rings yeah, yeah. <laughs> the entire trilogy everyone knew who he looks like at that point because he was criticized for how he looked at that point and um it's like i'm going to purposefully hide them why because I can. Yeah. Fuck you. And it'll be funny to me. Ha 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 ha. The puppet master. That's that's which again sums up because I love that that sort of um 
uh, Edgar Wright level of, of humor and comedy, that the idea of um, like, it's a joke that I get and therefore it's exceptionally funny. <laughs> yeah. you don't get it. That's unfortunate for you, isn't it? Did you not realize I was making a reference to this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. thank you. Um, but that's, that's having said that, bitterness aside, um, I also love both of those cameos. I think they are fantastically funny because they subvert what we have come to expect from a cameo, the wink mm. and the nod, the the very sign posted. I mean, this is two years or a year or so, uh, four years, a few years after the whole Austin Powers yeah. all singing, it's, all dancing cameo. It's the opposite shit. of that, really, isn't yes. it? It's, look who we've got. Who? Ah, I say look. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> look real hard because I've got their eyeballs for you. Yeah. And it's fun because... Like that film, I would not class them as as cameos, but mm. you have so many. Uh, a lot of that film is based on kind of audience preconceptions, where you have so many yes, yes. British character actors who had previously played villains in Hollywood films, um, <laughs> in playing various different members of of the uh, the Neighborhood Watch. And you're like, oh, which which one could it be? Because because it's like, oh, she she was in she was in the Omen, but he was in you know uh, Lethal Weapon, and oh, he was in that, and the end of this it's can't like, be this guy. He was Bond. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, spoilers. It's all of them. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, the great are good. They're all they're all evil. Um, but uh, yeah, to to have a film where that's going on in, on one side of it, where it's kind of going like, oh yeah, you know all these people from from previous things you know maybe it was from 20 years ago but you you the 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 consciousness of their previous roles is going to be in in the background of your mind mm. but then you're also going to have just like Kate Blanchett's eyes for 30 <laughs> seconds yeah so yeah that is maybe one of my favorite cameos just cuz it's so well hidden and as you said Tim such a star-studded cast there's loads of other shit going on and characters playing against type and the the twins played by bill bailey and all this mad shit and <laughs> just brilliant little moments like that really make that film for me and I, I just love it mrs dogden for your last one so i went with um you know buster keaton's estate about the movie itself it's trying to stay about the setting of this movie the idea of new hollywood slash the 50s <laughs> looking back at old hollywood the evolution of sound and this is before you know color has only just started coming to films that kind of thing very slowly um, then the next one is uh, Martin Scorsese talking about the replacement out of necessity. Yes, it could be a matter of ego, but it's this. And then the third one is about respect and adoration. So I've put some, you know, why is your cameo here? To make a statement about the what we're trying to talk about, the essence, essence of this movie. Why is your cameo here? Because the fucker didn't turn up and I had to do something. Mm-hmm. Why is this one here? Because I love this fucking guy and it was a good excuse to get <laughs> him in here. That's another key key draw so my one is actually a weird one because it's not necessarily a good cameo but it's also a fucking great cameo in 2005's hostel which is <laughs> not a good movie it's fine um came out of a weird place in the in the mid 2000s uh, eli roth directing and um very schlocky torture porn was the uh, was the thing that was sort of uh, branded off the back of it and it's like well not excessively but for the 2000s audience it was pushing horror to a, an extreme and you know jigsaw was a a rising thing in sore and such. So it was getting to this more gory style, visceral level of horror. But at one point, a character's going inside and this, this, this Japanese man comes out and pauses and says, be careful. So why? You could spend all your money in there. <laughs> and the implication is basically this guy has gone in and 
essentially just spent an absolute fuck ton of cash on watching people being brutalized and tortured and this awful, awful human shit. And the person in question is Takashi Miike, who is a Japanese director who I personally fucking love. Um, Agreed. He, yep. He's punched out so much content and some of it's such good content. Um, but he so was we, known as. We do our director film showdown on. Uh... Oh, on our live streams. He's never going to be. We are not doing Takashi Miike. <laughs> yeah, unless we do like be his, there his, for five yeah. hours. Unless we do like his top 16 greatest hits, um, that ain't happening. But around that time of the, uh, the late 90s, like 2000s, he was, he'd, he'd done Audition in 1999, Itchy the Killer in 2001 and stuff like that. And he's done, I can't stress this enough, tons of movies, but they are very, I don't want to say aggressively. Yeah, yeah, fuck it. Aggressively violent movies in the way that the violence makes you very, very uncomfortable. In a similar kind of style to Old Boy, around that sort of era. Very well. much so. Um, My experience with Itchy the Killer was not quite as visceral as Old Boy, as I mentioned on the show before, but similar kind of, yeah. Yeah, very wince-inducing. So, mm, for example, yeah. Itchy the Killer, um, at one point in that story, there's a whole scene where uh, Kakihara is effectively finally facing off against itchy he's like oh this is gonna be the best fight i've ever seen and he's got these i think like metal chopstick or skewers and he's like oh this will be fantastic i'm looking forward to this he's he's completely misread who this guy is and said guy is just a screaming crying traumatized person with blades on him it's a very hard thing to describe and he's so sick of hearing <laughs> the screaming that he takes the the skewers and pierces his own eardrums so he doesn't have to listen to it while he fights him. Ugh. And it's like that sort of self-mutilation is not remiss to this, this, this very Yakuza sort of individual, um, a very sadomasochistic kind of guy um, who slices his own mouth open so he can like smoke through the holes and shit. Like, oh, very weird. But it's the kind of things if, if I, uh, most people listening just now, when I describe that, would have gone, like yep. Jack did. Yep. Um, because that Every level time. of, yeah, that level of like just, oh, Jesus Christ. And so this individual being someone who would frequent that kind of place kind of makes sense. It's like, of course and, he's not actually... And Hostel kind of carried on that mantle, right? As you said, like, mm. the... I know it's the only thing anybody ever remembers about Hostel, but the fucking Achilles tendon snip oh, yeah, is yeah. the worst. And my toes curled <sighs> just mentioning it. It's just... Yeah. yeah, no thank you. Yeah, and I think it's very much a nod to... Ah, you... And I think that's... Wince-inducing horror um, and violence. Thanks, Takeshi. And that's something you can expect, because if you're making something that you love, of course you've had someone that you think influenced or inspired you if you had that kind of power and clout. So that's my, my final uh, cameo. Tim! Is, 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 it, is it a hidden one? Is it a sore thumb? Who is it? What's going on with your third cameo? It's a hidden one. It's Ooh. a very well-disguised one. Uh, but it's also one of those ones that once it's pointed out to you, Whenever you watch the scene, you go, fuck me, yeah, that is that yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a film we've already mentioned, Hook, uh, which, as we've mentioned, has a couple of interesting little cameos in it. Mm -hmm. Fucking Phil Collins shows up at <laughs> one point. <laughs> DC Collins. Yeah. Um, but the cameo that I've chosen is Glenn Close, mm -hmm. who plays a pirate. And you may be thinking... I don't remember there being many female pirates in, in Hook. And that's because she's playing a man. She's she's <laughs> Albert Nobbs in it. Yes, um, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, she plays the pirate who gets put in the boo box, uh, which for people who who have not seen Hook in a while is uh, a torture device that Captain Hook has on his ship where he locks you in a crate and then puts scorpions into it. That traumatised me as a kid. I fucking hated that scene. Lovely kids film. Um, yeah. <laughs> Do you hate scorpions the same way you hate whales, Matt? So that's what no, learning. no, no. I just, I just didn't like it. I, I, I don't want to say too much because I think there's a, a thing we're going to come back to a discussion later. Um, but yes, it's um, Glenn Close just happens to randomly play this bearded, kind of fuzzy-haired pirate <laughs> who um, I can't even remember what they get put in the boo box for. She, she, because he says, one of you didn't believe I could do it. Ah, One of you was, does not belong. That kind of thing. And it's like, yes. okay. It's like, so someone thought you couldn't catch a Peter Pan. Turns out it's Glenn Close and a beard. Yes. So we're going to now put you and have you stung by scorpions. Very strange. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, I think it turns out that like, she like placed a bet that he couldn't or something like that. Or I don't it, think might not, she, it might not even it be maybe, that concrete. It might just be, mm. anyway, for whatever reason, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's a deeply confusing cameo because you're like, why is Glenn Close in this film? Why did she choose to play a male pirate? <laughs> that it, ra- it it raises so many questions. Um, mm-hmm. But equally, like if you're watching it and you're not aware that that's Glenn Close, you don't really because there's so many layers. There's beard and hair and um, terrible pirate skin conditions layered upon it. <laughs> like it doesn't register that it's Glenn Close until you're looking actively looking for Glenn Close and then you can kind of see mm-hmm. like oh yeah around the eyes and like the slightly like feminine features of the of the pirate whereas before you've just kind of been like oh yeah it's just that's just a dude um just some guy uh, just I some... didn't know it was Glenn Close until I saw your show notes and I was like Glenn oh, really? Close is in Hook yeah <laughs> what fuck the fuck hell, did you did you go back and rewatch the scene and I found a clip on YouTube yeah yeah, yeah. mm-hmm yeah, it's such an it's such an odd one because it's. I mean, again, we've already said how in Hook, you know, there's like, oh, like you know, it's Carrie Fisher on the bridge. It's like, mm. what's the fucking point? You can't tell it's them, you know. Why would you do that? <laughs> Clearly, Steven Spielberg was just feeling whimsical uh, around <laughs> this point um, and decided to to throw in some cameos for the hell of it. Um, and yeah, it's and then. Again, like as we've said for most cameos, doesn't really have an impact on the film. It's just this weird odd scene of like, let's show how much of a bastard Hook is. <laughs> but it's also it's a, it's also a weird I mean it shouldn't make a difference, obviously. It shouldn't be like the timing shouldn't matter, but it kind of does matter. So for example, in there are uh, fucking Rodney Dangerfield. So <laughs> in Casper, at one point, um Bill Pullman is possessed and is is the face of Clint Eastwood, Rodney Dangerfield, and Mel Gibson. Because at the time, those were people with recognisable names. And mm. yeah, yeah. So 1991 is Hook. At this point, I think, Christ, I feel like Glenn Close is most known for fucking, yeah, obviously Dangerous Liaisons and stuff, but really Fatal Attraction. Yeah, it's fa- like Fatal Attractions would have been the yeah. thing at the time. That's so, I mean, she was in Hamlet like, beforehand, but it's like, that's such a weird, like, what? Oh, but then that's the point. That's that's how audiences link it. We link it by how we know the character, not mm. how the actor knows the individual or the director knows the individual because they're fucking friends. Yeah. That's how you know the individual. It's like, oh. It's like, though, why is why is Ashens the bad guy in this web series? Because <laughs> Stuart and I are friends. <laughs> it's quite straightforward. And he's a really. terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> 
because he's a murderous bastard. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I I remember being traumatized by that scene as a kid, and then as a teenager, finding out that um, uh, it was going close, and then weirdly enough, uh, what like eight years later, where she's she's Cruella Deville, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, good villain. But the thing is, and this is a sort of a good summatory point, I guess. This was cameos were a very gatekeepery thing until the late nineties. Um, because it was things that you knew because someone told you, because your brother knew, because your sister knew, because your cousin found you, or your dad told you, hey, did you know that's so-and-so? Oh, really? Oh, okay. That never that that cannot exist anymore because of the internet. And as you guys have pointed out with like YouTube and stuff, uh, and the content creation, it's almost now sp- explicitly put in so people can have these kind of conversations yep. and the nature of the cameo is no longer just a a bit of a, a backhanded sort of gesture or nod to a friend or an in-joke it's now an actual marketable thing and a cameo isn't just a question of okay i'm, not, I'm definitely not going to say anything but there is a television series that is very uh with streaming at the minute and there is a cameo in it and everyone's going, oh my God, is this just a cameo or is this going to be a huge world-changing event for this entire franchise? What is this? Mm. And that's kind of where cameos are now. They are in fact marketed by writers and directors and companies and 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 because everything's franchised. Is that just Howard the Duck? <laughs> As a funny nod or are we getting Howard the Duck movie? Mm. What what you because you you did the same thing with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver at the end of Winter Soldier, I want to say. Yeah. Now again, are they just a thing? Like, oh look, there's a little thing. Or are they? Are you actually telling me they're going to be a major part of this movie? Mm-hmm. And that's how cameos have become now. Is it in fact just a nod? Like again, if I mention the face thing, for example, the, right at the start of this thing, look at the A team thing. It's like right, ah, oh, face. Or is it a multiverse traveling face? <laughs> it's like right. Or does this no. mean? Does this mean we're going to get A team generations? See, yeah, it's like, are you telling me that there are in fact two A-teams working simultaneously and in fact they're like code names? And it's like, imagine, you know, there's like a fucking, a, a case in point, a cameo that didn't happen. In Skyfall, everybody expected and wanted, and most of anticlimactic cameo, yeah. it's like, oh, but Finney, that's nice. It's not Sean Connery, that was it. <laughs> but if it had been Sean Connery, imagine how many people have gone, but that's definitely going to be James Bond, isn't it? It's, yeah. oh, it's, it ties in, blah, 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 blah. And the studio would have loved for that shit to happen. Mm. They would have uh, killed that company. I'm so glad the internet didn't exist when On Her Majesty's Secret Service came out because we'd still be fucking talking about George Lazenby saying, this never happened to the other guy. Oh, the guy, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's It's, it's... It, it, the, the landscape has changed because the nature of the conversation has changed. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it means that cameos, and this is, the key, this is, my, this is back to my definition again, cameos, in my opinion, shouldn't necessarily affect the plot because therefore they are a hand that crafts the movie. Mm. It's, so, it's already becoming a case of the tail wagging the dog. Very um, much so. In terms, <laughs> of, in terms of marketing and, and stuff like that. So... Yeah. Yeah, let's let's keep them where they are and have them as fun little extras, trifles to be enjoyed, mm-hmm. uh, rather than something that you then use to pin a future franchise on. Yeah, it should be something you brought up, bring up in conversation in a loud bar if that ever comes back, um, or a party or something if that ever comes back, and you just like, hey, hey, yeah. I, I obviously we just both know this person because through work and oh you know him from because from school great great are you into uh, 
Oh, you're into films as well. That's great. Yeah. Did you know? You like? Have you seen Hook? <laughs> Hook. Robin Williams. Yeah, great film. Did you know? That's the limit of it. That should yeah. all. That should be all it is. Go. Oh fuck! No, I didn't. Oh, I did. It's crazy, isn't it? That should be the end of it. Not. Yeah, I can't wait for the fucking Glenn Close spin-off movie called Boo Box. <laughs> 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 the fucking Revenge of the Pirate from the from the box. Boo Box. Crawls the media, right. Halloween pirate adventure. Oh my god. <laughs> Precisely. So, yeah, cameos. Weird fucking things. Well, on that note, that is some highlights of some weird and wonderful cameos across the history of cinema. If you have any suggestions, any particular ones that stand out to you, listeners, do get in touch. You can hit us up on all the social media. We're sequelizers on everything. It's nice and easy. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, anything. Not not TikTok yet. Well, I guess it's... Am I cursing TikTok now that I've mentioned it in the same way that I cursed uh, Quibi? <laughs> maybe. Yeah, maybe. We'll cameo on TikTok. Fingers once. crossed. Or we'll go on cameo. There you go. We'll TikTok we'll... on cameo. Oh, Guess God. It's, gone, it's got too meta. <laughs> it's gone too meta. Well, if you want to follow us on any social media, find the links for all that. Find the links for the Discord, links for the Patreon, links for all the various podcast services. You can go to sequelizers.com and you can find everything you could possibly need all in one place. If you want to follow me, I am JLW Chambers on basically everything again. Matt, how about you? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z. I'm on the internet. My opinions. And uh, you can go to the Red Right Hand at Co.UK uh, for my movie reviews, which are currently on hiatus because obviously. And uh, Cheeseman.com for the things I make, which is on hiatus because obviously but all the old stuff is still there all my reviews like there's literally like six seven hundred reviews are still there there's like 100 plus videos i've made so go check all that shit out if you'd be so kind tim if you had a cameo on the internet not the the site cameo with jamie kennedy um but if you were to briefly appear like jamie kennedy in jay and silent bob strike back <laughs> where would you be uh you can find me appearing uh briefly or in my briefs on twitter Trivia underscore lad, uh, and that's that's where I tend to hang out on the internet or on our charming Discord. Brilliant! <laughs> wow, wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I mean, he said in his briefs, not out of his briefs. That people were worrying. <laughs> yeah. True, true. I'll have other clothes on on top of them, but you know. Ah, coward. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. We will see you next week for some more interseason goodness. Until then, catch you later. Oh,